Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the XNC Podcast, your Xbox newscast featuring Cold Eastwood, hosting industry interviews and gaming talk live on YouTube every Monday night at 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. For all of you listening around the world, XNC Podcast is available on demand on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the show. Join the chat, hit the like button, and let's get into this week's topics with the XNC Podcast live. Hey, how you doing? I am so rusty. I, I don't even know what to do. I missed a week. Um, I am so glad to be back. I'm Cold Eastwood, and this is the XC Podcast. And this is a live show on YouTube, but also on demand on Spotify and Google and Pocket Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. But I'm so excited. The news has been ferocious lately. And uh, there is one game everyone's talking about. And there's a couple games people aren't talking about, which is driving people absolutely nuts welcome to the show i am here with one of my good friends you know this is the guy right this is that that little dude on the internet that is in a big way i gotta welcome my good friend miles dompier of windows central how you doing miles colt what is going on my dude excited to be here with you on this fine monday night and yeah you you really do feel it when you take a week off i took a couple weeks off over the holidays in that first episode. Ooh, I felt like I could not talk at all. Where's the button? Who's got the button? What do I do? But yeah, (laughs) shake the dust off. We're going to be doing this thing. And yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, probably a sprinkle of Elden Ring, maybe a little bit. Just a sprinkle. You and I were kind of spot or so. (laughs) You and I are kind of, uh, having a little bit of fun with that, um, on the social media.coms of the Twitters. Uh, about how we will be talking about Elden Ring. I'm super excited about some of the stuff that's coming up today. I got to give a shout out to the chat. There's over 190 people here. We got Boss Mod Lethal Papa stepping in to start cracking knuckles if anybody goes crazy in the chat. And of course, Happy Bomb is in the chat, who is also uh, moderating and Gaz and amazing people. I got a couple supers rolling in. Um, but first, before I do that, Miles, I got to give a shout out to the veteran channel members who've been with the channel for over nine months. I'm going to read off some of these names. These people have access to custom emojis. They get entered into monthly drawings for merch for like the Cold Eastwood merch. You get to pick what you want if you get picked. So uh, yeah, get get what you like. But I got to give a shout out to Zenner White, Poochie, Wolf Assassin, DeBlue, Devario2Gaming, Fault Lines, Wreak Havoc, 
Rodney Coots, Gaz, Dark CMF, Betamax, Dante Moody, Alex Wilson, Lord Starkiller, Robert Jackson, Gamer McFly, Assassin Lupa, Nano Polymyth, Suicide King, Yodana Kazada, Phil, KY Bob, William Lanza, and Matt Burns. And you know what the cool thing about this is, Miles? These people I just rattled off, I talk to these. I get to talk to these people on Xbox Live. Like, I get to hang out with them and get to know them. And it's been amazing to, uh, we get to, it's like re- the internet is real, Miles. It's the beauty of it, seeing all these familiar faces in the chat, like the Xbox community and the gaming community. Obviously, it's growing and it's getting bigger and bigger, but it's it's so cool to see so many familiar faces and be able to go online and 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 talk to the squad, jump on a podcast, see see a lot of the usual suspects in the chat, and we're all here to celebrate games and have fun. So, yeah, you love you love to see it, Colt. Absolutely. Like I got Punky Dish risking for the biscuit in here, Mr. Joanna Dark, Pong Soul, so many people. Like we appreciate it. Like Miles says, like we're we check out other podcasts all the time. We're on, we guest on, we're doing our own shows. We were just talking about pre-show. There's so many podcasts, it's crazy, but we see these people. We appreciate you so much. We've got a ton to talk about. Um, I'm hoping I'm not leaving anything out, but I'm I'm excited to be here. Sleeping (laughs) Vistas with the Australian $5. Thank you so much, Sleeping, for showing up again. says, Colt, hope you're feeling better. Importantly, your family is safe and well. So I'll give you guys a quick update. I got COVID like a week or two weeks ago. Uh, I didn't think I got it. I didn't think I would get it because I thought I was just completely amazing. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) but my voice is a little bit rough. You should talk real low. Yeah, real get nice and sexy like. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, my family did kind of catch it. So it's just like, well, here we are. But I'm happy. We're safe. Everybody's good. People I've talked to, they're making it through. Thank you. And Hargeet Chani with the $2 super chat. He's got his picture in the uh, icon now. He's, I know. Uh, I see that. He is, uh, he's ready to become a superstar. He says, hey, Miles, Colt, Elden Ring code incoming. Oh my goodness! Is he going to throw in a code for Elden Ring in the in the uh, show? I wasn't aware of that, but uh, Hargy is cool. Like Spreading that. that Elden Ring love, dang! All right. Yep, yep. So I kind of wanted to. I normally would start by asking what you're playing, but I don't want us to dive into like a crazy discussion about the uh, No Maidens. But here's how about I just be a little bit controversial, Miles? What else have you been playing? Because I know you've got stuff to talk about because you've been busy. Who? What, what else, else have I been playing? <laughs> you know, the the sad fact is not a whole lot outside of one of our big topics for today. But I have been spending the last couple of weeks with the Steam Deck. And so I've been uh, testing a wide range of games. I've played about 30 games on the Steam Deck. Oh, man. Uh, going back and playing some some all-time classics, Dark Souls 3, uh, some Left 4 Dead, and just a huge range of games on that. So that's been really cool to kind of see what the capabilities of the Steam Deck are. Do you have really kind reach? Yeah, I do. All right, put it up on the camera. Let's Guys, this Steam Deck thing is We're going to talk about this later on the show briefly about how it ties into Oh, Xbox, yeah. Look, 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 look at this thick mama jama. This thing is... Oh, my god! I got to say, like, when I first saw this revealed, I remember looking at the control scheme and saying, woof, that has got <laughs> to be bad to hold. I'm sorry, but that looks absolutely miserable to hold in your hands. But now that I've you know, had a few weeks with it. The moment I put it in my hands, it just, it feels so natural. Like with my switch, I love my switch, but playing with the joy cons for more than an hour, you start to feel it on the inside of the palm of your hands. You get, you get this really bad cramp. Um, so that is a problem. That's why I mostly use my, uh, my, uh, 
Switch Pro controller because it okay. just feels okay. so much better than the Joy Cons do. That thing is huge. Can you like do any sweet ollies off that Steam Deck? Or I mean, close. I did a little comparison on on Twitter of of the Steam yep. Deck versus a Skate Deck, and it's it's big. You, you probably can't kickflip on it. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, but <laughs> you know, add another couple inches, and we're there. So sweet trucks on your Steam Deck, bro. Sweet unless trucks. you got Jinko jeans, this ain't fitting in your pocket. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, that thing is massively huge. Um, we I got to ask you a bunch of questions about that later on as that pertains to Xbox because there's some crazy potential there. But um, yeah, um, so you've been playing on Steam Deck, so you've been playing a bunch of different stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of what I... Nah, I won't talk about it. I've been playing Grounded with my kids and stuff, but of course we've been playing Elden Ring. We're going to talk about that later on. Yeah, I've been playing pretty much nothing but Elden Ring for a while now. <laughs> Yeah, my my uh, Twitter feed is totally wrecked. So um, we got to talk about something. I'm sure you talked to Jeff Grubb quite a bit about this on Chatter Days, but we got to talk about Microsoft supposedly talking about bringing back a couple of beloved franchises or beloved uh, iterations of games. Do you know much about this? What have you dug into this so-called fallout new vegas 2 which i think is kind of a dumb placeholder name for what is possibly being discussed fallout new vegas it's one of those cult games super beloved um there's this this hardcore community that really looked at that as the kind of the pinnacle as obsidian's take on the kind of 3d open open world style that was popularized by fallout 3 so yes there Mm -hmm. there are some serious talks it seems that they are going to revisit that well. Whether it be Fallout New Vegas 2, whether it be Fallout New Vegas, um, or Fallout New Vegas in theory, but a different setting, it sounds like there are some talks within Xbox to get the ball rolling on that. Because a lot of people are looking at the Bethesda pipeline right now and saying, okay, we know that Starfield is coming this year-ish. Supposed to drop in November. Um, we know that Elder Scrolls is coming years after that. We know the next major project after Starfield is are, is the Elder Scrolls Six, and so people are like, "Okay, then when is the next Fallout? Are we going to have to wait for Starfield for Elder Scrolls Six and then Fallout? We're talking six, seven years. We're talking eight, post nine, ten right? years, maybe yeah, well, yeah. before the next mainline Fallout. So." I don't think Fallout fans necessarily want to wait an entire decade for uh, for a new Fallout. So I think something like this, finding another team to be able to step in and use their existing engine and do do a kind of spinoff for Fallout fans, I think that is something that they understand has a lot of desire and interest. And you know, a, yeah, there's such a big difference though, Miles. Like, it, take the clock back for you Fallout fans. In 08, we got Fallout 3, which is a first mm-hmm. 3D, uh, first-person Fallout game from Bethesda. And then um, two years later, I'm pretty sure it was the fall of 2010. Yes, right? Help me out, chat. Two, eight, it was actually 18 months later. They put out, in that same engine, a spin-off version, which became Fallout New Vegas. Uh, one of my favorites. But when you say a decade, we had Fallout 4 in that Creation Engine 2 in 2015. Like, are you, I mean, it's, is it possible that a decade later, we, instead of two years later, a decade later, we would play that old 2015 engine style game? What do you think they're going to do? 
Yeah, because if we're looking at Bethesda, the main team, if the main team is the 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 only people exclusively working on Fallout, it would be over ten, it would be over ten years, I think, from the launch of Fallout Four to when when the next Fallout Fallout Five comes out, because they are telling us that Elder Scrolls is a ways out. They are, mm-hmm. they are telling us that they're basically going to ship Starfield and then focus on Elder Scrolls, and then. <laughs> If they're not even focusing on Fallout right now, that means they would have to get close to shipping Elder Scrolls before they seriously go all in on Fallout. So, yeah, when I say a decade, I'm not saying a decade from when Fallout 4 launched. I'm saying that's like unless they have an external team jumping on it, if this is tied exclusively to Bethesda and their mainline projects. Yeah, it would be a long, long time before we get a Fallout 5. So here's the problem. The the responsibility falls on obsidian like obsidian do your thing josh sawyer who was a major player in the creation of fallout new vegas and a lot of the stuff that came behind that with uh chris avalone and uh there's some other people that were big on fallout new vegas back in 2010 uh sawyer (laughs) backed off of twitter yesterday or this morning he said i'm done I'm sick of everybody asking questions. Don't DM me. Find me elsewhere. He jumped off of Twitter. I think because of this news beat, Miles, he's been getting hammered big time. Like, give us the details about Obsidian working on a Fallout New Vegas 2. Did you yeah, see that? I did see that. It's it's one of those situations where it's it's got to be kind of frustrating and annoying to be involved with the team and then have the all if that is true to have that information out and then to have all these people go online and just bombard you with questions about it mm-hmm. something you obviously can't talk about even if this is confirmed he can't be on twitter casually saying yeah absolutely this is what we're doing for it this is going to be the setting this is going to be the game and but people they're hungry for that cult they're hungry for those deets so they're just going to hammer this guy until he just says you know what i don't even want to be online I'm, I'm sorry this here. i'm out you know peace out good luck godspeed and yeah it's it's got to be kind of kind of frustrating so where do you think jeff grubb was hearing this stuff like what did he have to say that any like fans of us who i have a i wish you could see it right now if you've wa- followed me on twitter and instagram i have a huge fallout new vegas sign this big i created it's on my wall above my tv right here i can't flip the camera but i'm a big fan so this is uh this is talk that he's hearing that microsoft just wants to tap into these franchises yeah it's uh again i i I have talked to jeff i don't know what his source is in terms of who exactly he's getting this information from but again jeff jeff is somebody who I trust, I know personally, and wouldn't casually throw around information like this. Obviously, nothing is confirmed until it's confirmed. Nothing is official. But um, yeah, Obsidian, if you look at their track record, they're one of the most efficient teams under Xbox Game Studios right now. Those, (laughs) Those people can just crank games out. And it's quality. They're able to deliver games at a rapid pace that that people love. And if you can tap into that and with a franchise as beloved as fallout and now we're kind of in this this golden age of obsidian obsidian has proven themselves and they're not this kind of niche cult studio anymore they are one of the 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 flagships for xbox now so tying into that tying into fallout a fallout new vegas 2 from obsidian you can bet people would be uh very excited to see that officially revealed oh yeah because obsidian did what bethesda don't with uh fallout like the factions and how everything seemed to 
matter even more that you did in the game because I've played so much. I think I've beaten Fallout 3 twice. I've beaten Fallout New Vegas probably four times at least. Um, and I just know like that sense of uh, choice is so strong and so potent in Fallout New Vegas. Miles, here's the other thing. Um, <laughs> like you're talking about how Obsidian cranks out games. Like, what's their pipeline look like? Because Josh Sawyer is like, look, leave me alone. Because, like, what are they doing right now? I mean, obviously, there's Avowed. Obviously, there's The Outer Worlds 2. There's Pentiment as well, which is in the works. So that's at least three. And, and one more. They're shipping in full this fall. Am I, what am I? Grounded. Oh, okay, grounded. Okay. Yeah, yes, grounded. grounded like and I know people are like, "Well, they're just that's just a preview game, but they're building, they're opening up large sections like a fifth or a, or whatever of the map at a time as they so they're going to have a couple big updates this year before they release in the fall. So, that's like a big building thing. So, they've got Pentiment, which is a smaller game, like a narrative-driven game, like you said Outer Worlds and Avowed and Avowed's probably going to launch uh, Miles and I are just speculating. I'll just say Avowed is probably going to launch at the end of 2023. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, I would speak- say 2023 for sure. But in terms of the window, I would say it's kind of up in the air. I'll, there's people throwing around earlier. There's people throwing around Q1 potentially of 2023. Um, but yeah, for me officially, all I'll say is 2023 for Avowed. I think we'll know. I think um, depending on how they show Avowed at E3, the E3 showcase. I can't. We like, we can we're called E3. Yeah, uh, E3-ish. So if you're Josh Sawyer, like he's one of the leads there one of the head leads there at obsidian he's getting bombarded with this and he already knows that they're trying to release three games in the next year oh it's got to be so frustrating but um like todd howard told ryan mccaffrey of ign like we have fallout 5 like we have a white paper like i have a one pager on it yes because he wishes he could wave a magic wand and create it but i think what he doesn't say is we want to make Fallout 5. We just need five years to do it. And Hargit Chani has been talking to me. He made a great video on his on his YouTube channel. He started a channel, and he did this 10-minute breakdown of why games take so long now when in the Xbox 360 generation, we would get three to five iterations of a franchise in one eight-year generation, right, mm-hmm. Miles? So yeah. right now, you'll be lucky if you get one major franchise per generation because games take five-plus years, and we just went through – we're still going through a two-year pandemic. So let me read that super from Hargeet and a couple others. He says, Colt, thank you for the $5 to say this, Hargeet, but he says, remember my comments about games taking forever to make now? We need to have games take as much less time to make. Fallout New Vegas took 18 months to make. So, like, we have to run this middle ground, like – Miles, are you okay with a game taking two years to make if it's just not as long and it's not as groundbreaking? I think it's perfectly healthy and perfectly acceptable to have a good balance. Because, yeah, there's going to be the, the transformative huge games like Starfield, the games that have they've been working on for years and years and years. Um, and then there's going to be stuff like The Outer Worlds 2 that kind of comes out with it within a few years of the original launch. And I think that as long as you keep that in mind with, with the scope and the scale and how you present that. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it. I don't need every single game as much as I'm, we're going to rant about Elden Ring and how much time I'm putting into that. I don't need every game to be a hundred plus hours. I really, really don't. And I'm perfectly fine with, with some smaller digestible stuff to kind of 
you know, break up the big, humongous, endless time sync games. Right. Um, And I'd ask the audience in the chat, seriously consider this. Think about when you were playing on the PS3 and the 360 during that era. Think about the franchises you fell in love with. Think about how Mass Effect was never as great as it was then. Think about how amazing Fallout was. Remember Borderlands 1 and 2, how amazing those were? I mean, these are my favorite games. Bioshock. Think about all those franchises that took two to three years to create. And look at what we've gone through this past generation where games took a lot longer. So I'm kind of with Hargy. Like, do they? Do you need a game to be 60 or 80 hours? Or can it be 30 and still be like win you over? Think about that. Don't speak on it now. <laughs> but we'll... Well, we'll get into that. The one last thing before we step off the Fallout stuff, is there any uh, merit to these Fallout remasters that uh, Microsoft supposedly wants to get created or get revived? Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting approach for Microsoft. I can't say definitively if that's going to happen one way or the other, but um, when you look at the strategy and we talk about games taking forever, we're, we're talking about games taking five plus years to develop. And I don't think that's changing the expectations for what a game is, especially on the larger triple A side. That's kind of, they've set the tone. They've set the expectation with all these huge games that people look at as the, the pinnacle of gaming. Mm-hmm. And so remasters and kind of collections, like if they did a, a Marcus Phoenix collection, you better, you better do that. I, I swear. Um, stuff like that, uh, using, leaning into fallout legacy titles elder scrolls legacy titles and basically bringing those to a new audience with some enhancements it's a great way to fill the gaps sure sure it's not gonna you know blow everyone's mind but it's a good way to have a a good marketing beat every every year or two to say hey while you wait for fallout 5 in the next seven ish years um (laughs) play play this play a remaster play play this this little soft remake that we did here Okay, I'll ask Miles and the chat. Knowing that you can play Fallout 3 in New Vegas, back and pat with FPS boost, are you hunkering, hankering for a uh, $60 remaster of Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas? Uh, no, I'm, it's not something I personally, but listen, it's going to be different for everyone. There are people who would be lined up around the block to get a Fallout 3 like true remaster. And... Mm-hmm. You know, people skirt at remasters and, you know, rightfully so. You're you're entitled to spend your money the way you want. But we're all guilty of, of seeing a remaster of a game that we love and being like, I'm buying that. I don't care. I don't need it. It's <laughs> not the GTA that. Trilogy, so. Yeah, exactly. We all yeah. do. It. So pe- people pick and choose when it matters to them. But we all do it at the end of the day. So there there is an audience. Clearly, there's an audience for it. And mm. I'm not going to fault them. I'm not going to buy it. I mean, I'd check it out on Game Pass because chances are it would be in Game Pass. Um, and I'd play it for 30 minutes and go, yeah, that's cool. So, Miles, one one last question. You think Microsoft is possibly looking at just hiring some studio like Iron Galaxy or some studio that just ports stuff to create the remaster and keep their studios and their partners working on this other stuff, these other 50-plus projects we've been hearing about? Yeah, I think it would be a, a, a smart investment for them to have a dedicated studio for those projects, a studio that's familiar with the engines and can go in and kind of quickly and efficiently retune these and retweak them. And Because, I mean, I imagine with something like that, they would want probably one a year. And if you can get a good team in there to do it, um, it wouldn't take that many resources to be able sure. to re-release some of these games. Okay, here's one last nasty question for you that I just thought of. Uh, would Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas remaster be multi-plat? 
multi-plat. I don't know. I mean, Not they already exist on those platforms in some ways. So maybe. I mean, we saw it with um, Skyrim. Skyrim, Skyrim yeah. Anniversary Edition. So there's a precedent set there that, yeah, sure, they would do it. Um, yeah, I think so. I'll just say this. I don't care either way. Like, I'm not going to be offended if it comes to PlayStation. What about your list? What about your list war that you hold up and say, look, you can't play this. You can't. Uh, No, I would not care either way. But yeah, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question, Colt. Yeah. Think about it, chat. Think about Mm. that. Shout out to Moby for the super chat with the $10. Thank you. Moby and I talked while I was playing Dying Light. We were, we were, uh, we're just talking while we're playing separate games, but really good guy. Glad I got to talk to him on Xbox Live. He says, Colt, it's good to see you back and doing well. Everybody get hyped. Show some love. Colt is is an awesome person. Thank you so much. Um, I forgot to kind of plug the show, but I'm here with Miles Dompier of Windows Central. This is the XC Podcast. We're live on YouTube. This is also on demand on Spotify, Google, Apple, Pocket Podcasts, and audio versions to check out after the fact. But if you're having a good time, if you're going to think you're going to learn a couple of things, if you think that Miles and I are super handsome, then uh, minimize the chat and give us a thumbs up. Let's get those thumbs up to show the support for the show. Got a couple more supers I'll read here before we get diving in to the more of the news. Steve Perry with the $5 says, love seeing these two legends together. Just want to chime in as of November. Todd Howard said to IGN, they have a one pager on Fallout 5. Yes, he did. Space Stovakin with the $5 says, I think it's the best option is to collab with Bethesda, Obsidian, and Exile, or at least Obsidian and Exile, for Fallout OG devs to take back the IP to its roots. Uh, I mean, in Exile and Obsidian, they kind of come from the same background, right, Miles? Yeah, same era, same same legacy kind of PC tactical RPGs. That was kind of where both of those companies came from. Yep, yep. The, um, in Exile used to be part of, or used to be called in uh, Interplay, and they're heavily involved with Fallout New Vegas and the Fallout 2 PC game. They even brought their old music. I know Fallout New Vegas, like the back of my hand. There are songs that are from Fallout 2 that are in the world in Fallout New Vegas. They're super creepy. Check it out sometime. Scooter with a $5. Thank you so much. This Colt, long-time listener, first-time caller. I love that. He says, I'm glad you're back, but you still sound, kind of sound like poop. <laughs> yeah i hate this i was uh dry, uh, running an errand today in the car i can't even sing along to my music like because i said this is my voice cracks uh, <laughs> but i'll be back to normal i promise but at least like miles said i've got the sweet bass that's right here. lean into that <laughs> lean into that bass <laughs> listen to miles trying to go low one more time miles lean into that thing lean into that bass arby's we got the meat <laughs> <laughs> uh flame thank you so much for the five dollars don't worry fallout fans the pain of waiting for a game for nearly a decade or so won't hurt as much you think signed a fable fan a decade for fable miles true them's the facts right yeah. now as a yeah. phantom dust fan let me tell you that's nothing dude <laughs> how that's long is that way dec- oh god two was it 2004 i think 18 years or some crap yeah, yeah we're coming years. up on 20 bro we're coming up on two the double decade wait so uh yeah, just keep like, keep putting those little it. hints out to phil philly d spencer yo donna guzada he's been a member of this channel for 26 months he's amazing he's got the master chief icon i drew up he says i'm back good to see xc back with my two favorite xbox content creators 
I think he's talking about us, Miles. What? Oh, that's sweet. Little, little, little he, sweetheart. He says, I've missed your dulcet tones harmoniously closing the air of FUD. Yeah, there's been some crazy p- things that people are upset about. Did you hear about this one, Miles, where uh, the PlayStation fans were excited that the UK physical sales of Elden Ring were like 83% compared to Xbox? Yes, yes, I did. I did speak on that. Like, can you put can you put that in perspective for the audience? Eighty three percent on PlayStation. Yeah. So uh, it's important to understand the context of data before you start throwing it around. Um, So with this, they were looking at the UK physical sales charts for Elden Ring, and they saw that it was like 80 some percent PlayStation, 17 percent ish for Xbox and like three percent PC. So already, like that data is wildly skewed because wait, who was buying Elden Ring on CD-ROM? Exactly, who's buying a physical <laughs> CD-ROM? And then you look at Elden Ring it's being like at almost discs. one million concurrent players on Steam, and you're like three percent. Like you couldn't take half a second to do that simple math and understand that this is not the total sales for Elden Ring. It is total sales physically for one specific region, which is it's when you're using that as you know, data for that market. That is interesting when you're, when you're well, talking I mean, you about, can, you could say sales of UK versus us, uh, a round number would be, there's about 50 million residents in the UK and about 500 million in the U S right. You could say, well, you know, there's a proportion there that probably translates, but the physical thing is the big slap in the face, right? Like who's yeah, buying physical games and what's the proportion of that? Exactly. It's such a small demographic in this day and age. We, we are constant, constantly seeing data that suggests more and more people are buying digital. We're now at the point, especially in the U.S. side, especially when you're looking at the Xbox ecosystem in particular, a, a huge percentage of the user base is, is doing digital way more mm-hmm. than they're doing physical. So, again, that data is interesting to look at, but don't use that as the end all be all for you know this game is a huge flop on xbox because the uk physical sales are 17 percent versus whatever percent um I, I also think that xbox consumers are more motivated or more rewarded to go digital just because of game pass being a massive thing and uh, there's just we know that it's it's probably about 70 percent is some of the numbers we're hearing probably about 70 percent of console on PlayStation or Xbox are digital, are mostly digital. So, yeah, it's funny. Hargit Chani with a $5 Super Chat chimes in on this. He says, console percentage in the UK, 85% PlayStation consoles, 15% Xbox. Gee, you think the sales will reflect that? And he's a sigh, ponies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting thing. I thought I would just pop in here. But uh, let's see. We got uh, Dark CMF. Who I've been talking to on Xbox quite a bit. We've been having some good jokes, and uh, if I ever bring up Backstreet Boys and he does NSYNC lyrics, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to slap him. But he says Xbox needs to push the modding capabilities on console with this new gen. Bethesda games have infinite replay value with mods. So yeah, there are more mods on the Xbox and on the PlayStation because of the allotment of uh, room for those that they have. But yeah, they need to do a lot more with modding. Um, let's see here. I, I, I got to get into the next bit. This one's really quick, but I got to ask you, Miles. I don't know if you use the game DVR to capture footage and share it, but as a content creator, it's really important. And for big fans that want to share what Xbox games look and feel like, the game DVR is so bad. And 
Jason Ronald's team has promised to fix this for well over a year. I shared a clip of Elden Ring today that was so dark, I had to change all of the visual parameters to even get it visible. Have you worked with this at all or had these problems? Yes, it's something I've complained about on my own podcast multiple times because... Yeah, we when the Xbox DVR launched on the Series X in particular, it was so miserable. Um, HDR is still broken, yep, but audio is. was broken initially. A lot of colors were completely broken initially. Uh, artifacting was there. Uh, drop frames were there. Um, they've made some improvements. So now if I turn off HDR, it's okay-ish. But again... I've been doing that since 2018, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't use HDR on clips... And like you've brought up, there's still a ton of issues. I also posted an Elden Ring clip and it was incredibly dark. So much darker than like on any other display. Dark. And I'm just like, what, what, what is going on? And like you said, they've, they've promised to fix it. They're, they're working on changes. I just, for me, as someone who prefers Xbox, I, I enjoy the Xbox ecosystem when mm-hmm. it's better on switch, when it's better on PC, when it's better on PlayStation, yep. it's especially frustrating. Cause like you said, I want to record clips. I use them for, for work when, you know, something cool happens and I can get, get a clip and use it. Yes. There are times where I bring it into premiere pro or whatever for, and if the it's clip like- is just completely busted and I'm just like, I can't even use that. I can't even use this clip. And it's, for a 30 second clip to be completely broken frequently, it's, it's a little frustrating. frustrating. Yeah. I, I really, I don't want to get in this too long because this isn't like a lot of people's concern. It's one of the reasons why it's not at a high priority to be fixed. Microsoft and Xbox know that not a lot of people use this feature, but um, it is good that people that are in front of a camera or microphone say something. So, um, maybe I can reach out to Jason again. I know that they, he said they've been working on it. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe a whole overhaul is coming, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see. Uh, Hargy Johnny with a $2 super chat says, say it Colt exclusive. <laughs> yeah, that works. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about exclusives as well today. Um, <laughs> dark CMF says best band backstreet boys in sync. They're equal to each other. <laughs> Hit the like button chat. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, well, <laughs> enough of the game DVR. Um, let's talk about Street Fighter. This is a Ooh, this, is, yeah. this is a massive this is, this is a massive like world fighting game franchise that has been hidden away by the PlayStation for a decade. What in the heck is going on with this terrible logo? And where do you think it's going? Street Fighter Six. So yeah, it's the old cap com countdown timer uh, officially came to a close and we got the reveal of street fighter six with uh thick as a brick ryu and um mm-hmm. yeah there's been a lot of speculation since it was revealed as there will be with so many games moving forward about exclusivity cult is it going to be a playstation exclusive and you know obviously street fighter 5 was Street Fighter V was a PlayStation 5 exclusive. There were talks behind the scenes that it sounded like um, PlayStation came to Capcom because they were kind of struggling on the publishing side with this and, you know, leveraged that to get that as an exclusive on PlayStation. Unfortunately, Street Fighter V launched in a pretty mediocre state of limited content, limited modes, limited characters. It wasn't the strongest outing out of the gate for Street Fighter. That being said, the community for Street Fighter 5 is passionate. People love Street Fighter. 
Um, but when you compare that to Street Fighter 4, that was a cultural phenomenon. Street Fighter mm -hmm. 4 was such a massive release, and that was that was a big multi-platform release. And Fully playable on your new Xbox as well through Back and Pat. It's always been there. Yeah, amazing game. Street Fighter Five plays amazingly. Love it. Um, so moving forward, I know Sony has invested in Evo. They they bought Evo, so they obviously have a a focus on making sure that there is this synergy between PlayStation and professional fighting games. And Street Fighter is is one of the biggest ones there. So in that sense, I could see it being a a PlayStation exclusive. But also, I think if they're looking at the the wide appeal and the basically overall pull for this game as a serious, legitimate, com competitive fighting game, uh, multi-platform makes a lot more sense. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping for. I would, I would love to be able to play it on Xbox. Um, and I think that is the smarter move in terms of making this a platform for competitive fighting games. Yeah, I feel like that Street Fighter V got held back and held down by being a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Um, were there big sales numbers on that? You said the community's passionate. Like everyone's always been passionate about Street Fighter, but did it lose its potential by being money-hatted by PlayStation? I mean, potentially. I don't have the sales figures handy, so I can't throw anything around with any any shred of accuracy. I'll look real uh, quick. Yeah, so let's see, see what that is compared to Street Fighter 4, because that would be an interesting kind of point to discuss, because, yeah, exclusives are important to the people who are Six loyal to that platform. Five. Six okay. million. And then if I look at nine million uh, multi-plats for four. Okay. So not too bad. So I would say I was wrong. That didn't really get held back too much. Like could have been yeah, six six million versus nine million, still a successful exclusive in the grand scheme of things. Um, but compare that to Mortal Kombat Colt, which has had a huge resurgence and has really blown up and has become one of the best selling fighting mm -hmm. games of all time. And so there's been this this weird, in my eyes, like a, a drop in the overall popularity and mind share of Street Fighter and a rise in Mortal Kombat. Ah, okay. I mean, you can certainly have both. They're both massive. But um, hmm. I don't know. It's just weird that they made this announcement with no platform. Uh, and then we've had announced games like KOTOR that say they're going to be on PlayStation, although it was on a PlayStation event. So it's still up in the air, whether it's multi-plat? Yeah, I imagine, yeah, it's still up in the air. I don't think anything's finalized now. Maybe this is Capcom saying, we're working on this. Hey, Xbox, hey, PlayStation, what's up? You know, <laughs> you want to start wheeling and dealing? This is coming. We're letting you know now that this is coming. We haven't finalized platforms. Hey, Xbox, you you uh, you don't want to lose another Street Fighter again? Let's let's talk, baby. Let's see let's see what we can work out. It's probably something yeah. like that, honestly. But yeah, because they're so early on. I, I gotta I gotta make a controversial comment because everyone was like, you know, going crazy about the logo. Um, I was looking back at the old logos. I'm like, eh, and they're not that amazing. But that SF icon is just dumb. And I and I can and. How about I say this because I'm a graphic designer. I've created like hundreds of logos, right? So I'll just say, let me puff my chest and give my expertise. Uh, that logo just doesn't fit. You have to fit your product. Like it has to serve the product. I don't think it does. Um, I think that's why people are so repelled by that simple thing. And then, of course, there was the Adobe stock logo. Um, I don't think they stole it. It's just so plain. I could have found 
I, I could probably search on the internet and find eight examples of something very similar. Yeah. With, you know, with uh, two letters like that. But uh, I mean, you, you got to get people excited. That logo's got to get people excited. But the PS5 logo got people nuts. It's very plain. So, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I can't imagine that that's not just a placeholder. If they if they ship the game and that's the official logo, I will be so shocked. Especially now that everyone's kind of been up in arms and like you touched on, the older logos are 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 very much of that era. Like yeah, they are very cool, 90s, yeah. But they are very like everything's on fire. Yeah, let's <laughs> kick some ass. And it's like triple stroke, 3D extrude, yeah, and yeah. And I understand they're yeah. maybe trying to move away from that slightly, but just to go hyper modern and just have this really blocky standard SF with the the you've got six it looks emails like a, in the it corner. It looks like a logo you would like emblazon on a on a stake or something. Yeah, it doesn't really work for me. I, and Gaz on his show on Saturday said the Street Fighter 2 logo is amazing and I'm like, what's that look like? And I went and googled and I'm like, eh, it's just this gross fire text. No thanks and like fire. a gradient. Fire. It's fire. A, the new Street Fighter looks like something you'd see in the back of someone's pickup truck is a window clean. Yes, it does. It looks yeah. like something the guy would have in the corner of his cab window. Oh, that's great. Uh, we got to talk about something else that made people nuts. Gene Park, who is so awesome. He's with, he's, he does a show with Snow Like Mike. I've been on their show. He's amazing. He, him, like everyone else, is super excited about Elden Ring. And he said today, um, <laughs> he said that he feels like Elden Ring is going to be a big deal. Uh, actually, I should, I should look it up and, and say it exactly word for word. But he said that, Horizon Forbidden West on PlayStation was so quickly forgotten because it's a one and done. Oh no, don't say he said it. He said he the s- forbidden text. He said, oh, and I gotta give full disclosure, Miles. Like I'm a crazy like Xbox fan, but I do not subscribe to the phrase one and done. I don't endorse it. I don't use it because I've played a million games I love to death that I've never gone back and replayed. So I think one and done does not work for me as a phrase but gene park said that elden ring is going to have the legs of skyrim with well we'll talk about what he means by that but the playstation fans went nuts they insulted him they attacked him they quote tweeted him it was messy did you see this unfold today miles i yes i did and again he brings up some interesting points i've had other people like uh yeah like i've had other co-workers tell me who are actively playing and loving Horizon say that, yeah, Horizon is what they would call a one-and-done game. It's very focused on the story, very focused on the narrative, so that you know once you wrap that, you you feel the sense of satisfaction and you you move on. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I the problem with some of these people is they that there's this kind of fighting as to make sure that one platform has one thing and one platform has another thing. Mm-hmm. And the one and done again, is just a meme that I would say bad faith Xbox players use to make fun of PlayStation exclusives in the same way that bad faith PlayStation players make fun of multiplayer. Um, it's just something that people do in bad faith. That it's, it's kind of a, a universal blanket term that they use to downplay something. So when mm-hmm. Gene Park said that, I, I think he's on the same page as you and I. He's not saying he's not saying that to be like Horizon is, you know, something you shouldn't play. Horizon is mediocre. He's saying Horizon is a an enjoyable experience for someone once and then you move on to something else. And if you got your money's worth, you got your time time kind of investment out of that, that's fine. That is totally fine. But with Elden Ring, 
uh, this is going to be the next Skyrim in terms of people are going to keep playing this for for years to come. People are going to keep discovering things for years to come. Um, and that's just that's just that is such a rare phenomenon. And I think that's more what he was stressing about Elden Ring as opposed to as some PlayStation fans took it dunking on Horizon. So, right. You know, and um, th- what you have to explain with this um because I was one of them. I was playing Horizon Forbidden West. I had my eye on Elden Ring because I'm not into that those type of games, but I had my eye on it. I was playing Horizon when Elden Ring came out. I pushed Aloy into the bushes over by a robotic dinosaur, and I walked on to Elden Ring. And it's just something you can't deny. The allure of Elden Ring, I'm not going to get back to Horizon Forbidden West for a little while. But the other thing about this, Miles, is as a character like Aloy, there's really only one way you're going to play through the game. There, there may be some perks you didn't unlock. It doesn't really constitute a second play playthrough like you will from Elden Ring. And why is that? What makes Elden Ring replayable? El- the, the beauty of Elden Ring and the beauty of From Software's formula is it is an RPG first and foremost. You as the main character, you... There, it, you pretty much say nothing your character has no dialogue you get to kind of take the role of a character in this universe and interact with all of these different npcs and all these different monstrosities and horizon is a very i don't want to say linear it's an open world so there is flexibility but it is in a lot of ways a linear narrative focused adventure and that that is fine that delivers that kind of satisfying movie going experience that we that we love that we love and elden ring is more about putting you in that world and that is why Elden Ring is going to be played more and and played longer because there is so much flexibility in how you can how you can approach your character, how you can approach the story, a bunch of different endings to it as well. Um, whereas Horizon is about making making it so you see this one story play out. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people who've been complaining about Alloy talking too much. That is a pet peeve of mine in a video game is when your main character is talking too much, telling you things over and over telling you how to do things over and over and that's for me that is a pet peeve i don't want to be talked to by the main character i don't want to sit down my controller that long um hargy johnny just dropped a code for globally for i'm pretty sure this is for xbox it looks like an xbox key for elden ring i want to know in the chat who was able to grab that quickly and apply it to their account uh hopefully somebody grabbed it who doesn't have the game that's amazing thank you so much hargy that is a big deal. He just gave away one of the best games of the year. I'm, am I allowed to say that? That's a big deal. Thank you so much, Hargeet. Um, yeah, I'll go further when we get into it. I'll go f- way further than the best game of the year. But yeah, we're going to talk about Elden Ring a little more in depth, and I've got a, bit, a little bit of footage to put up while uh, while Miles and I are talking about it. Let's see. I got a couple of comments and supers here. Wolf Assassin, who's been a member for ten months, says, "Hey, Colton Miles, love your Xbox Direct opinion piece, Miles." which I talked about a couple weeks ago on your behalf, Miles, but we'll, we should get into that really quick. He says, because of that, are we going to have to wait till E3 to see what Xbox has for 2022? Miles, quickly tell us about what you think is going on um, with us asking Xbox to do like a direct or a state of play style presentation more often. Yeah, so for me, uh, first off, th- thanks for the kind words on the editorial. Uh, a lot of that stemmed from us coming off a massive holiday for Xbox. No matter who you are, if you're a PlayStation fan, Nintendo fan, there was no denying what Xbox did over the holidays with 
uh, Forza Horizon with Halo Infinite. They had a bunch of games that everyone was talking about and everyone was playing. And there was all this goodwill and excitement and energy about Xbox. And then into the new year, that just died. It just completely dropped off. And mm-hmm. all of that turned into pessimism. And people were saying, Xbox has nothing this year. Xbox only has Starfield. Xbox, where's Redfall? Why haven't we seen this? And a lot of people were asking a lot of questions about the future of Xbox. And that got me thinking, you know, just why is Xbox struggling to, you know, overcome some of these narratives regarding lack of games and lack of quality games after just shipping several games that were nominated and won game of the year from a Mm -hmm. bunch of different outlets. What is going on here? And that got me thinking about Xbox's fundamental problems with the way that it communicates its games to players. They, they rely too heavily on conventional E3, the game awards. So you have these two big marketing pushes um, basically, and that's it. And now we're in this world where companies like Nintendo, even companies like PlayStation to some degree have proven you can be more nimble and you can get those marketing beats. What's especially frustrating is Xbox has been so forward thinking and so progressive in so many ways, but not this one. Like they don't have a good means of showing you games. People look at, we have Hellblade 2, we have Fable, we have Avowed, we have so many, there, there, I put out this massive list of games that were on the horizon that are Xbox exclusives, and people are just like, Xbox has no exclusives. We don't know what this looks like. I, don't, I haven't seen gameplay. Why should I be excited about this? And there were a lot of, obviously, people who were just there to you know stoke the fire and start a fight, but there right. were a lot of legit questions from Xbox fans who were like, I don't get it. I don't get why you're not showing me things. Um, and then you also have people who, whenever a game is released, they go in and compare it to the launch trailer and say, <laughs> you're downgrading games. And it's it's a frustrating back and forth where you're, you're in a lose-lose situation as a publisher because if you show something too early and it changes, people are oh. mad. If you wait too long, people get antsy because they want to see it. And I think I- Xbox is gun-shy to show their stuff right now. Um, when you're talking about all those big games, they also have some medium-sized to big games that are not their first party stuff that is like MIA. And they're in this situation where, like you said, that they don't have an answer for it. It's like, what is there to answer for? If you work in marketing, you put together a team and say, let's put together a showcase of, of 12 games and let's shoot for uh, May or let's shoot for, for April to have a showcase. Let's show this stuff. Let's talk to those like there's 50 projects, right, Miles? Let's talk to 30 of those people and say, hey, who has something ready that wants to show? We want to do a showcase. We want to get 12 people. Who is ready to be in? We'll vet through everybody and we'll put something together, right? And yeah. uh, they really need to, to my do... mom for calling me while I'm doing the show right now. <laughs> He's like, call Eastwood. No. Call. Call. Dinner's ready. Call. Um, uh, Xbox, in my opinion, needs to do a quarterly presentation of some kind yeah and it doesn't have to be only first party stuff we, we see other people lean into indies and third party and you can put together a showcase of really cool stuff especially with the sheer volume of games that we know for a fact are launching into game pass we know like a dozen games per month are coming to game pass why isn't xbox leveraging that nobody it's saves the world nobody a- saves the world was a banger oh, and yeah, there was no marketing yeah. push for that and that launched in game pass why on earth wasn't there some sort of presentation to get people excited 
how are you hearing about what's coming to Game Pass if you're not on Twitter? I, that's you're the not. Only place you're I not. See it. You're just not. You're you're browsing the app or your friends saying, "I check this out," which has weight, as we've seen. Word word of mouth means a lot in this day and age. So Xbox, are- give. <laughs> I'll take a second job on. Like I can help you with this stuff. Like I, this is stuff we do. I mean, it really literally comes down to Miles. Like your Xbox Direct thing when you said that was so perfect. It literally comes down to talking to developers, asking, and this is all they need to do. Put together three to six minutes of gameplay that they like, like cut it together, and then have one of their developers or one of their voiceover persons just walk you through the game. This is our open world action adventure game that we've created, and we've, uh, you know, off the legacy of games we've created like this and this. We want you to feel like you're doing this in the game. And so we've created a game where you can be immersed in this world and here's the world and you'll get to do this. And these are the type of weapons or kind of combat you'll encounter in this game. And just say that for three or five minutes. And then when it's done, you know, upload it to the whatever pack. And then you Xbox can put this together and put them in after in with some logos and then just upload it and say, miles. Cause when you said the quarterly quarterly updates, like they really only need to do, a late winter early spring event they've got june for e3 which is massive and then hold out their fans until december for the game awards three times a year might be just right am i crazy yeah i mean it would go a long way because again a lot of it comes from people filling in the silence with pessimism and you know maybe that's a fundamental flaw of us as human beings that we we take silence and we fill it in with negativity (laughs) but (laughs) um Still, there there are ways that Xbox can go about this process because Xbox has so many games. And what's frustrating as, as people within the Xbox community is there isn't that same feverish energy surrounding an, a lot of Xbox presentations with, with a Nintendo Direct, with a you know state of play. And the state of play, honestly, as we've seen, is, is pretty hit or miss. Even Nintendo Directs aren't always oh, of course. a, a megaton bangers. But they have this this illusion and they've set this precedent that anything's possible. And so that's why some of the speculation goes through the roof. People are just saying, Oh dang, this is going to be it. Mother three is coming. Mother three is finally happening. Let's go. Breath of the wild three confirmed. Let, yeah. And there's, they feed into it because Nintendo has done that before. They've, they've had those moments where they hit you with something. And you're like, Oh my God, they did it. And Xbox has done it too. Their last, their showcase last year, I think, was probably the best that they've ever done. So we're, I'm not trying to downplay the progress that they've made. I'm, I'm complaining about their consistency. I feel like they don't mm-hmm. have a lack. They don't have consistency, and that is a huge problem for a lot of people. Um, invested, the, the casual audience, they don't care. They'll hear about stuff, something randomly, and they'll mm, see it in right. the store randomly, and go, "Okay, cool, I'll check this out." But the people like you and me and the people in the chat who who want the information constantly, they're getting antsy, Colt. They're getting really antsy. I, I really feel like it's not a whole lot of work. Like like I've said, if you reach out to uh, a lot of those studios and say, hey, do you have anything ready? And if they say no, because I don't want studios showing stuff when they're not ready, they don't like that. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. But if you reach out to like Compulsion and Compulsion app and say, yeah, like we've already recorded some stuff that looks really cool. Can we, you want us to cut together some stuff and create something? And Xbox is like, absolutely. We're putting together a show in, in March or whatever, or April. Are you ready? You know, uh, I always make the joke, like send me the footage and I'll put it together in one day. I'll edit, I'll sit down one day and I'll create the event. I'll send it for review and we'll go from there. Let's do it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Let me read a couple supers here. 
we got Hargit Chani. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. He's keeping the lights on over here at the XC podcast. He says Street Fighter 6 needs to come to Switch as well. Steam Deck, Xbox, PC, and yeah, I guess it can also come to that PlayStation console too. And then he does a little wink emoji. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, Lord Starkiller has been a s- channel member for 16 months with the, uh, the new Cortana. The weapon icon says, Ooh. how many of the 100 million active monthly xbox network users are actually xbox live gold members will those members be moved to game pass eventually i'll ask miles what's your guess how many xbox live gold members do you think we have or xbox has xbox gold uh, yeah it's, it's been a while since we've gotten an update but there was a figure that we're there well over 50 um oh, so wow. yeah. yeah i would say between 50 and 60 but that's honestly just a guess based on that last figure that we heard for gold that's actually pretty high, but um, as Miles and I will tell you many times, the whole weight of getting rid of Xbox Live Gold Paywall really leans on Game Pass surpassing Xbox Live Gold, as far as we've heard from people that talk about this. That's story. Yes, that's the speculation right now, is they're waiting to hit some sort of milestone before they get rid of it, because it's... As we've seen with PlayStation, as we've seen with all these companies, it's about that monthly recurring revenue. And they're trying to get that in any way possible. Mm -hmm. And as much as people like us are going to go online and say, Xbox, why are you being mean here? Why are you making us pay for gold? We don't want gold. We don't like games with gold, blah, blah, blah. Um, They're making a ton of money from it every single month. And so as much as we want them to do it as a business, they're probably not going to just be like, we understand we're going to be cool and we're going to say we don't want this money every single month and we're just going to eat the cost until Game Pass gets to what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we want that, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, it would be so massive. Like if they remove that paywall, it would drive so many people in. I think it would start to pay off quicker than than uh, just sitting there giving people games with gold games every month, which I don't love as much. But uh, let, let, me sh- let me shuffle into a different topic that is uh, quite crazy. Michael Pachter, I know people don't, not a lot of people like this. I think the guy's great. I've been watching him for a decade. I've watched him on, on Game Trailers channel through his industry analysis. The guy works for a major company or has worked for major companies that work with financial stuff related to the entertainment business and gaming. So, he speaks up and gives all these uh, predictions. And he said the other day on his Sifted channel that he works with, uh, I don't know if you guys knew who Michael Pactor is, but anyway, he said that the Activision Blizzard thing could change how Xbox is going to handle Bethesda's exclusivity. He says, Book me, bookmark me on this, Michael Pactor says. He says that the FTC will come back through this Blizzard Activision uh, merger and make a stipulation that Xbox has to look at their exclusivity for Bethesda games. It will change. The, the whole thing where Phil said, we want our games to be exclusive where Game Pass exists, he thinks that the M- FTC will say, we want you to look at bringing Bethesda games to PlayStation. Miles... Where are you at on this one? Uh, I, you, everyone knows. Yeah, I'm, I'm nice. I'm a nice guy, generally speaking. I'm not going to just throw shade casually. Um, but Michael Pachter, it, he likes to have a lot of inflammatory takes for the sake of being inflammatory in his current day, in my opinion. 
Um, he says a lot of outlandish things that are not grounded in any sort of reality. I think this is a prime example of that. Um, the fact that he is suggesting that the FTC is going to make a company re re basically go back on an agreement that already signed with another publishing company to change the terms of exclusivity because of a deal that has not been finalized yet as part of the terms of this deal is absolutely outrageous. I'm sorry. It is absolutely outrageous and unfounded. So I know people are taking that and getting mad, but that's what Michael Pactor loves. I'm sorry. Michael Pactor loves to get out there and make people mad. It's he, he just, he gets off on it, I think, but uh, yeah, because in 2008, when I was watching him, when he was pretty prominent uh, with the Jeff Keeley era game trailers, like this was a this was a time when I really got really into like the details of gaming and the business behind it. Um, Michael Pactor was one of the guys to listen to when he spoke. Uh, he knew what he was talking about, and the stuff he said came to pass. But um, maybe that's sort of gone away as he's kind of changed his vocation, but. He, yeah, yes. how do you say Michael that Pactor, without he has being a, he, rude, right? He, he's got a, a long legacy of being a respectable figure in the video game industry. And then you look at his recent track record of, of comments and speculation, and it's it's wild. It's you know, I I'm a fan of some wild speculation every once in once in a while, but <laughs> yeah, like don't present that as the reality here. So, yes, that whole situation. I don't believe there's any world whatsoever where Bethesda is now multi-platform as the terms of this Activision Bethesda deal um, at all. So yeah. that's where I'm at. Yeah, and um, I wish I would have... Hogue Law did a whole video on it. Uh, Tim Dog and I kind of raised the question to him. He sat down and made a whole video about it today. Uh, so please go check out his channel, and we should read into this later on. And we'll come back around and check this out. But I think I'm with Miles. Like, they're not going to go back and and tell them. Like, at this point, there's so many games that Bethesda and ZeniMax are going to make that'll still be on PlayStation in weird ways for, like, you know, the online continuing stuff and remasters like we talked about earlier in the show. So, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of crazy. Let me grab a couple supers here. We got uh, KY Bob, who's been a channel for 10, 29 months. Oh, I feel like my voice is just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm in the car. I'm like, la, 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 la. and, uh, KY Bob says, hello, my friend. Great shows. Miles is so cool. I agree. Elden ring has me help. What's so different. I couldn't deal with other souls games like this one. KY Bob, hold that thought. We're going to get into, into Elden ring. Just a moment. Kyle Co. Thank you for the $5 super says, should Microsoft allow keyboard and mouse games only on Xbox? Yes. He says, or will it be an educational marketing nightmare with a bunch of people not knowing what they're buying? Let me speak on this, Miles. I've said this a bunch of times. Yes, Xbox. Throw a bunch of PC games on the Xbox with mouse and keyboard support and just put it in the put it in the store. You know, caution or warning, no controller support. And then if someone buys the game and they can't connect their controller, they can just get a refund. Just, just give people the option to play more games on the Xbox and sell them more, make more money. Just do it. Miles, am I crazy? I mean, I think really it is just this logistics nightmare that they don't want to deal with. Because I, I agree. Yeah, let's let's do it. Put the tag in there that shows what it supports. But I think that they want to ensure that everything that is listed on the Xbox store can be played with the Xbox. You buy the Xbox and every game that's in the store, you can play on there. 
Obviously, we've mm-hmm. seen exceptions with Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S titles. There are ones that will not play on the Xbox One, but sure. I yeah. think the keyboard and mouse for them is is just a situation where they don't want to deal with the refunds. Um, but oh, again, yeah, I guess I'm, so. yeah. I'm for it. I, I wouldn't mind, but I think really what it is is they don't want people buying it and being frustrated because they can't play it with the controller. But Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I can kind of ride the fence on that one, but that's a good comment. Uh, Kyle, I appreciate that. Yodani Cruzado with the $5 says, Miles has that look on his face. Had me do a double take there for a second. Thought the X and C logo was black and orange for a second there. I don't know what he means by that. Black and orange? What? Get spooky? Is that what he's talking about? It's, it's a Halloween nightmare. I mean, I'm down to get spooky. Let's go. Uh, Flame with the two dollars says they should do a monthly show for Game Pass titles. Yeah, it could be a lot of work, but I mean, Major Nelson throws together these. Well, not throws together. Those probably take you know a whole half a day to make, or whatever. But he puts together the games with gold every month. But every two weeks, they're bringing games to Game Pass, and they come in with very little fanfare if you're not on Twitter. And like you know, not everybody's on Twitter. I, as much as we, as much as I love Twitter, as much as I really do love being on there, I'm on there way too much. Uh, we forget that Twitter is such a small part of the world, such mm-hmm. a tiny, teen, teeny little percentage of the world. And um, I think that's, you know, again, when we have these conversations, that's something that we should consider as well, because I'm sure Microsoft has just mountains and mountains of data that shows like how people engage with their stuff, where people engage with their stuff. And um yeah, again, we can complain that it's only on Twitter, but... It needs to be more. And I'll tell you guys, I don't usually talk numbers like this, but I have 33,000 followers on Twitter. I get like 2 to 3% of my YouTube video views from Twitter. Like, it tells me in the analytics. So, mm-hmm. like, it really gives you an idea how small your audience can be on one platform. Uh, it has to be a lot of places. Dub, who's been a member for nine months, says even if it was just behind the scenes talk from devs, I think fans would still be excited getting to know the talent behind the studios. Yeah, I mean, I just I want to hear like the head creative director of a game walking you through parts of gameplay. I love that stuff. You know, the the sit down interviews, we don't love that. But if you've got like, hi, I'm you know this you know woman who's like the lead co- director or lead creator of the game walking you through what they created and you're seeing it on screen while you hear a voice absolutely fantastic or just gameplay without any voice is good too uh lord star killer thank you so much for the ten dollar super he says i agree with you colt microsoft needs your expertise to help get xbox supporters more pumped for upcoming games your presentation and narration are always top notch and you know who else is top notch is miles makes excellent content so hire miles or hire me or we'll work together uh we'll work for two hot dogs a day yeah that's all we need seattle dog you, do you know what the seattle dog is Cole? Uh, yeah i mean I'll, i'm the safeco dog well they don't call him that anymore but what's the seattle dog seattle dog you you got your dog you got your bun you got cream cheese sriracha grilled onions oh that's... i love sriracha mm. like mm. i've i've been mm. out here I come from Seattle, but every place I go, like I look to see if any hot dog joint has a Seattle dog and I have to educate these people on what it is because nobody puts cream cheese on their, their hot dogs. And it is a absolutely game changing experience. So, so good. And then Sriracha and you you say grilled onions or onions? Yeah. A little grilled onions. on. Yeah. This is the hot dog (laughs) right now. Oh, that sounds so good. Mm, treat So treat yourself. Yeah. If you haven't had a Seattle dog yet, do it. And, do and it. they're zero calories, guys. Zero yeah, calories. exactly. They're great. 
Uh, so Mash says no cream cheese, please. Well, that's you know, sorry, that's, bro. That's a fundamental that's flaw do. of your hot yep. dog experience. That's fine. You're you're entitled to that. <laughs> Gosh, it sounds so good. Uh, risk it for the biscuit. He's another awesome person that I got to hang out with on Xbox Live. He's hilarious. He gives the Australian five dollar, which is uh, this the best five dollars? The Australian. He says Xbox has been too quiet of late. We've got so many games coming, but no info from them. Redfall is due in the summer, four months away, or maybe six. He says, we've seen nothing. That is, doesn't it really, if they don't talk about the games, or they don't say they're going to do a, any type of updates, doesn't it feel like nothing's coming for a few minutes? Exactly. When when they tell us Starfield's coming this summer, and we're like four months away from summer, and we haven't seen it, people are like, I don't know, dog. Is it coming this summer? Is it yeah. really? I am a little leery about Redfall's release. I know they say summer, which could push you into September 21st on uh, the, you know, the summer calendar, right? But uh, I guess at E3, we'd see a big showcase of it where it looks done, and then it would release in September with like maybe some uh, online multiplayer betas. But like th- at this point, it feels like it doesn't exist. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We we don't know, and and again, that that silence is being filled with with skepticism, and pessimism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let me give give you guys like a, a look forward into what we've got left on the show. We've got we're going to talk about PlayStation now and the Spartacus service and and some day and date stuff. We're going to talk about a new update to the Xbox Series S and X pipeline for creating games. It's going to change how games look for the better finally and we're going to talk a little bit about game pass when it's regard to steam and then into elden ring uh let me grab a couple more supers really quick i'll try not to speak on these so we don't go too far but dark cmf thank you so much for the ten dollars says when miles said milestone i thought of peter griffin (laughs) being excited for the name of the movie being said in the movie not sure why i thought i'd share (laughs) all i can think of is when he was like roadhouse he was roadhouse yeah, I, I, I'll i say stuff like Milestone or whatever, and people think I'm making a pun on my own name, and I'm I'm not. I promise. I promise I'm not. Milestone. Sleeping Vistas with the Australian Five says, Colt, put your money where your mouth is. Do an Xbox Indie Roundup for April and May and show Xbox how to do it. There's a lot of stuff. There's like Tunic, and there's a D- Warhammer Dark Tide, which isn't really an indie. There's a bunch of games scorn there's supposed to be exo mecca there's a bunch of games that were supposed to already be out and uh, i really feel like developers are in a tight spot where they feel like they're just not ready to show and it's going to be last minute on a lot of games hurry johnny with a five dollar says if xbox has to share games so does nintendo pokemon is 90 billion dollars plus mario at 30 billion it's like bigger than all the franchises combined third is call of duty at 17 billion dollars Holy smokes. And you know what? Knowing Hargeet, those numbers came right off, like memorized. Uh, X-Wolf Assassin, thank you for the $5. So since Xbox will be quiet for a while, let's speculate. What do you guys think and chat wish to see at the next showcase and what will be there? Miles, give us a quick rundown of what you think will be at the next big E3 show. Yeah, so we should see gameplay. We should see gameplay for Avowed. Hopefully we'll see some gameplay for Fable. Um, we just got a little taste of gameplay for Hellblade 2, so maybe not that. Um, I also imagine we'll get gameplay for Contraband. The thing is, mm. the thing about Xbox right now is we we know so much of what's coming, but we haven't seen it at all. And right. a lot of people have been complaining that we haven't seen it. So I have to imagine that this E3 is when we start to see kind of that that next year 
of Xbox. Yeah, and I'm I'm just I'm staying optimistic about uh, there's big games. I, th- I think there might be a couple really big games that don't make a showing this year, but Xbox likes to show gameplay for stuff that's coming in the next calendar year. And they've yeah. always been really good about that. I've always looked back at the PlayStation versus Xbox E3 showcase, and Xbox always shows all these games that are coming out in the next year before E3, and PlayStation says, here's what's coming in seven years. So, yeah. I mean, people would argue that that's Xbox's approach right now. Hey, they, but I've asked them to do the same. I'm like, hey, do what PlayStation does and announce a game even though it's not going to come in a year or two. But now we're like biting down on a where's fable where's fable (laughs) and like i i get that so it's nice to have that balance and then you look at nintendo who comes out and announces kirby in the forgotten land and they show you this huge like epic kind of grand scale kirby game you're like oh this looks awesome this looks so good like yeah you can play this in six months and people are like what what and xbox never does that really xbox like bethesda if we're talking about bethesda they've done that but xbox never does that they never show you something that gets you salivating and say six months baby let's go yep 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 they do um i gotta give a shout out to doobie who i'm gonna put it back in the chat he gave a code for one month of game pass ultimate which gets you one month of xbox live gold pc and xbox console game pass plus cloud amazing value thank you so much dude for doing that keeping the uh, community gaming all right let's move into uh this new update i talked about this in my video uh, about five days ago but the developers for xbox are getting the xd the xdk ready the development kit ready for games to finally get a performance feature will which hopefully will give us that ray tracing at 60 fps or better resolution and performance with more efficiency. Do you know about VRS Miles? He talked about the variable rate shading. Yes, these these transformative ways that we're going to experience games that we were promised ahead of the launch of the Xbox Series X. Um, we've been waiting for variable rate shading because it's supposed to drastically improve the performance of games by basically scaling and compressing these these very demanding details of games which like mm-hmm. you said should hopefully get us closer to ray tracing at 60 fps with some titles and hopefully you know higher resolution at 60 fps as well or maybe even you know more games at 120 fps right. yeah um but yeah there's interesting things we haven't seen utilized on the xbox dev kit the vrs and xbox velocity architecture i don't correct me if i'm wrong but i pack. I yeah, don't think there's there's been a single game that uses that. And that's supposed to change. Like, imagine if Elden Ring was taking advantage of Xbox Velocity Architecture and basically could utilize storage as supplemental RAM. It probably would alleviate, alleviate a lot of these kind of performance issues that we've seen with, with open world games. But mm-hmm. we haven't seen it yet. So it's exciting that VRS should hopefully, fingers crossed, be coming soon-ish. Yeah, so... Um, a lot of people asked me in the video, like I write these videos, I write down the script so I can cover all the bases, but I got a lot of comments, Miles, people saying, Are, is this going to be a new Xbox? Like, do I need to buy a new console? Is this an update coming to my console that's going to work on all my games? And I tried to be really uh, illustrative of what this feature does. So like Miles said, they can take a scene in a game, and I showed Gears Hivebusters in on my video, where they can pick areas around the screen 
or far background objects, and they can reduce the quality level where you're not looking and ramp up the quality level on on focused objects Mm -hmm. to to get better performance. And they can see anywhere from 5% to 30% performance in the in the uh, rendering budget. And I know this sounds super techy, but basically look at it like this. When every time you're, when you're playing a game like gears five, right? Every time you, if you pause the game, that scene took all kinds of different horsepower to build. And it, and every 60 times per second, it is building that world, like rendering it. Right. So the developers have to choose how much in the budget, how much power they have left over to keep that continuously moving in the console. So what they do is they get a VRS, which will give you uh, a performance advantage by lowering things that don't need to be seen. One thing that VRS does that's amazing is if you're shooting over cover and you're shooting a locust, there is like some clay pots and stuff on the other side of the cover that the camera can't see. VRS will tell the game that's that they're working on to not even render that just to leave it flat or not even use the power power to build it because until you bring the camera around and see it you don't need to waste your budget so the one of the things that people say like how are you going to get 60 fps and ray tracing like you can't do it right now it's like all these games we've been playing for a year miles have been built with the xbox one in mind they haven't used any of these features because these games have been in the works for a while exactly we're, we're in the situation where Nothing we've played, not even Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, nothing we have played has been made thinking, all right, we have this new console. Let's use everything that's available to it. So RDNA 2 2 features are a big deal for this. And what it means is you may play a ray tracing mode at 30 FPS chat and audience. Like what you don't know is 60 FPS with ray tracing might be 10 frames away. And the developer's like, I'm not going to run it at 40 frames, so we're gonna, just going to lock it at 30. And they make those decisions. If they can get a little bit more performance for every refresh of those frames, and they can get it up really close to, to a 60, then you will finally see it. Another cool thing, I'm talking like crazy, but this is really important. Another cup thing they have that they have direct ml which will upres the image through ai machine learning which makes it look fantastic with very little performance hit so you get another boost and like miles talking about velocity architecture and bc like compression stuff like this all this data that has to be coming in every 8.3 milliseconds or every 16 milliseconds it's crazy stuff that developers are pulling their hair out every day when they build games so miles what when are we going to start seeing next gen only I think, you know, obviously with Unreal 5 kind of coming up on the horizon, titles like Hellblade 2, I think that's probably when we'll start seeing more of these widely implemented are the games that were natively built on Unreal Engine 5. Because the exciting thing about a a console like the Series X is it was built with a lot of -of state-of-the-art technology. The the only downside is because it's state-of-the-art, a lot of people are learning how to use it. So a lot of people yeah. don't know what it is, haven't had a chance to develop games for it. So it will take years before we start seeing it implemented, especially if, like we talked about, games take five years, Cole, to develop. Yeah if, if, yeah. if if this tech wasn't introduced to them until a year or two before they started working on it, we're talking three years past the launch before we start seeing some of these, these features fully implemented. But I have to imagine stuff like Hellblade 2 will be the first big showcase I don't know if we've gotten confirmation on the engine that Avowed's using. I don't 
believe it's Unreal 5, but correct me if I'm wrong there. What was uh, Outer Worlds is an Unreal Engine it was, 4 game, right? Yeah, I imagine yeah. it's similar to that. I mean, we've heard that Xbox Studios are all, almost all of them are working on Unreal Engine 5. Mm-hmm. A lot of them besides, you know, Forza and Halo who have got their own engines and playground. So, so yeah. yeah. Hopefully in the next you know, a couple of years, you know, so couple- do you, do you get a lot of crap about the uh, performance of how PS five games run or look compared to Xbox over this past year on multi-plats? I've seen you- people frustrated about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because you- on paper, Xbox series X is supposed to be the, the most power, the more powerful console. Yeah. One of the, um, on, on social media, they're saying that this is like the Xbox Series X is like the PS3 of this generation. It's really powerful, but developers can't unlock that potential. I, t- I fully disagree with that because actually what we've seen is most games get patched and run at a higher resolution with closer frame rate. Also, Xbox has VRR, which is not just a crutch, Miles. It's actually essential for high-end 60 FPS plus hardware. Like all PC users use G-Sync, FreeSync, VRR. Like yes, they have yep. to because they do not want frame rates out of sync with the display at that high f- refresh rate. So uh, it, it's something that's why it needs to come to PlayStation. But um, it's that development kit. Xbox made a new development kit and the f- developers are so frustrated. They, they're following the instructions. They're not getting the power out of it that they're supposed to. It's totally on Microsoft on that for reinventing the wheel this late in a launch for a new console. So I'm, I'm saying that for the audience to hear because somebody's going to ask you, someone's going to make fun of you. Like you built the console, <laughs> but that's going, that's what's going on. So, yeah, it's, we're in a world where the PlayStation architecture is very similar to PlayStation four. And so the scalability is way easier for developers because they can basically say i understand how this works and it's more powerful so i can just rapidly scale up without drastic changes but there we go oh there we go some little some elder <laughs> reaction but yeah yeah I'll get it uh, right. with xbox like you said it is it is new it's, it's a fundamentally different in a lot of ways so people have to relearn that and again it's one of those times where a game might launch in, in a rougher state on series x and gets it gets patched and updated and fixed as they understand it but yeah, there's definitely a learning curve, and we're definitely definitely witnessing that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. And and uh, like when big games come out, like the Cyberpunk patch and Elden Ring, and there's like a disparity of how they run. Uh, just enjoy the games as they are. They are always getting worked on and fixed. Miles and I are ready to talk Elden Ring, and I'm going to show this footage, and it might be choppy. Um, I use Streamyard, which is how I host this show. Uh, for you guys on YouTube. And this is the XC podcast. And uh, thank you all for being here. Over 700 people watching. Uh, this footage will run at 30 frames because uh, of how this program works. But I'm, I'm going to show some of this footage of me playing, hitting Xbox, record that. And then there's a little trailer at the end. But um, let me just start off, Miles, by saying you, I heard you talk about Souls for the past year solid, right? You've been like on your so- soapbox about Souls games. And I've never cared one bit i never wanted to play i tried Sekiro for an hour got killed and said forget it but elden ring grabbed me i can't even believe it how how did this happen miles uh i it's what's so exciting for me is seeing so many people like you i remember talking to you ahead of this and you're like 
I don't really care about Elden Ring, dude. Like I've, you know, I know what from software games are. I'm, I don't think I'll play it. Like I've, I've heard so many people say, I don't think I'm going to play it. And then they end up playing it. And then they DM me and they're like, dude, dude, this is consuming <laughs> my life. How is this? Po- How are they able to do this? And that is what is so special about from software is I understand that their formula is not for everyone. I, I totally get that. I'm not going to fault anyone who's like, I tried and it's not for me. But what they've done, especially with like games like Bloodborne and Sekiro and Dark Souls 3, is they've perfected world design. No matter like what games you like, it, I find it almost impossible to look at a From Software game and tell me that the environments and the worlds and the creatures are poorly designed. They've done <laughs> such an immaculate job fine-tuning that experience to make it so you you want to explore every nook and cranny. Dark Souls 3, I, I've replayed that game so many times and done everything possible in that game because I want to. It's not a checklist for me because there's there's no major HUD. There's no quests that are obvious for you. It's I want to it's do this. It's there and you want to do it. Yeah. Exactly. And so Elden Ring somehow, some way managed to take all of that, all of that fundamental greatness and just blow it up into the most dense, engaging open world of all time. Like this is this needs to be considered on the same level of games like Skyrim and Witcher 3 in a sense Doesn't of... It- doesn't it have that like when you're out in the world and the beauty and the music, like the way that Skyrim captured me, like I walked out, I'm like, wow, this game looks nice. And this sounds wonderful. Like that music is so good. Oh yes. One of, one of the, the greatest uh, consistent composers as well involved with a lot of these projects Who is it? from software. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, okay. they, they have a, a, a kind of pool that they pull from with a lot of these games and dark souls three, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Elden Ring, as you've heard, gorgeous soundtracks, the best color balance of any game. Like as you get deeper, you you see the first area, you see the greens, you see the golds, and you're like, oh, wow, this looks really cool. Mm -hmm. This looks really lush. I like that. And then you go to a new area that's completely different. You see deep blue. You see gold. Dark red skies. And then you get sucked into a chest, and you're teleported into a hellscape where the sky is blood red, (laughs) and the ground is made of flesh. And you're like, oh, my God, what is happening? But every single time you go somewhere new, it feels different. We haven't had this. I haven't had this in a long time where I'm in the world and I'm like, where am I? You know, what is this? I'm, I'm totally entranced. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm in awe. It's so crazy. I never thought I would be sitting here talking about a souls game like this. Um, Zocker. Our, our good buddy Zocker has been yeah. DMing me because he's kind of similar camp. He's like on the fence. I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Everybody's checking it out. He is obsessed that dude is obsessed with Elden Ring. He's talking about how when he's not playing Elden Ring, he's going online and looking up stuff about Elden Ring and how he just wants to spend all of his time playing Elden Ring. And there's so many people that are like that. And it's it's exciting. It, it is really yeah. exciting. And it's one of those rare moments like people talk about once in a generation. And I think Elden Ring is that in a lot of ways because a lot of us, not even a month ago, not even two months ago, we're talking about open world fatigue. And we're like, Ugh, open oh, sure. world games, gross. I don't want any more of these, blah, blah, blah. It's too bloated. It's boring. It's it's copy and paste. And then Elden Ring comes out and says, no, that's not it. This is, this is what an open world game can be. And this is what open world games should be. And I think that's kind of reset everyone's expectations. And now 
people like me who've been kind of critical of Ubisoft formula are even more so because a company has come out and said, hey, here, here's a better way to do it in pretty much every single way. Yeah, and I I was just playing Horizon Forbidden West days before this game launched. And um, what I really liked Horizon Zero Dawn. And I was like, hmm, because I think I played that game in 2018. Uh, might might have been 2019 when I played through it all the way on my PlayStation. And I'm like, I feel like I just did this. I just did all this. I was Aloy. And of course, you could say the same thing with Gears 4 or 5. But I really feel like Horizon Forbidden West didn't do a lot of changing that what that open world was sneak around fight the dinosaurs uh the robots you know uh going into these areas and these villages and and i really liked the game but like when i loaded up elden ring it was such a difference like i've played open world games but this the how do i say it the intention of everything every enemy wants you dead as soon as possible and every strike or every move is so deliberate there's something about we talked about fallout early on in the show the first few hours or first five or six levels of being in a fallout game are so harrowing you're so weak and everything wants to kill you and make you sick and and destroy you and you don't have a lot of resources you're struggling to get that level up so that you can get a little bit more advantageous in this scary world. And I haven't had that feeling in a long time. Even Fallout 4 didn't really do that as much as the older games did. Elden Ring makes me feel like every move I make is so important. And I think it's why people are so arrested by this game right now. Yeah, because every time you see a new creature or a new environment, you you're not sure how to react or what you should be doing because some of the stuff in this game is is terrifying. And the general rule of, of a From Software game is if it's big and scary looking, chances are it is big and scary and it will right. hurt you. And it's kind of cool to have those encounters where you, you stumble upon a new creature or you go into a cave and then all of a sudden from within the darkness is this, this monstrosity that you've never seen in any video game ever, and you have no idea how you should react or what you should do, and then all of a sudden this thing is breathing a, a cloud of death gas at you, and you're just dying instantly, and there's this, this kind of mystery and intrigue with all that of understanding these mechanics and trying to overcome these obstacles. Jeff, right. When Jeff was on my show, we were talking about how the beauty of this game is you're not a badass out of the gate. You're, you're not... Out of the gate, you don't get that power fantasy of just walking in and killing everything. You are just an average schmuck in this world. So you come out of the, the gates of Elden Ring and everything can and will beat your ass. <laughs> it, and there's something kind of satisfying about having your own anime redemption arc because you come out of the gate and you're pathetic and weak and you're dying. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you are that badass. All of a sudden, you're coming back to this enemy that was that was beating you up, and you steamroll it, and you get to just conquer it, and you get that sense of of satisfaction. And yeah, I think the greatest strength of Elden Ring is the fact that it gives you a world that makes you want to explore everything. And when you do, you're rewarded for everything, whether it be experience, whether it be levels, whether it be new gear. Every time you go off the beaten path, there is something cool and very, very few open world games do that. Yeah. It's um, I didn't know, really know what I was doing. Like somebody told me like, don't be afraid to die. And I'm like, cause 
when you die, it's it, there's a heavy cost. And so I kind of had to tell myself, oh, I have to go down to that dungeon. I don't want to because I don't want to die. And I have to tell myself, it's okay because if you die, you can go back and grab your runes. And and there aren't games, many games like this where when you die, you lose all of your progress. Like it's sitting down there in a bundle. Um, for people who don't, don't understand the mechanic, once I, it was explained to me that Every time you kill an enemy, you get a little bit of XP that's kind of banked in your pouch. And once you get to a safe place, you can turn that in to a level up. Um, but you got to hold on to it. So it's it's really crazy. Um, you can kind of see why people ditched Horizon Forbidden West. Like this is the talk of the gaming industry. And um, Batman just got reviewed, the Batman movie, and it's like a 10 out of 10 right now, or a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes. And Elden Ring, like two massive franchises, just like one over everything. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's like I talked about in my review being kind of skeptical of From Software transitioning into the open world. Because for me, Dark Souls 3, one of my favorite games of all time. In my opinion, one of the best RPGs ever made by a lot. Uh, I was worried that they would lose what makes that special by transitioning into the open world. Mm-hmm. and. There is no greater feeling than being a a big fan of something, having huge, tremendous expectations of something, and to have it not only meet, but exceed those expectations in every way. Elden Ring is a bigger and better game than I ever thought it was going to be, and it was one of my most anticipated games of all time. And that that is such an amazing feeling, and that's why we're seeing it's sitting at a 97 one of the highest rated <laughs> games ever i'm i'm a huge from software fan i you know expected to enjoy my time with elden ring i did not expect it to be one of the best reviewed games ever like i before i got my hands on it and then as i started playing it i t- i was thinking to myself you know in my review bubble outside of you know being able to talk to most people about it, i was like damn this this legit is like the best open world game that I think I've ever played. And one of the best open world RPGs, I think across the board. And Mm -hmm. the more I played, the more I felt that because every time, every few hours, they did something I did not expect. And they did something that completely, you know, shifted my perception of the scope and scale of this game. Like having your map get bigger and bigger and bigger, the more areas you explore. Oh my God. Like, Yeah, it is. Uh, I got to talk about how you weren't wrong because this is a kind of a controversial thing that I, I wanted to talk about on the show with you because um, it obviously got almost all tens across the board. It's uh, that's why it's so high. It had ninety six on Open Critic or ninety seven on on Metacritic. Unbelievable! Like the game isn't perfect. I got to say, I'm going to tell you, audience and chat listening. I don't care if a game drops five to 10 frames once in a while during heavy combat. That does not ruin my enjoyment of a game. It never has. But what will ruin my enjoyment, which I saw a lot on PC, was when a game halts, hitches, or pauses with yeah, a frame rate issue. That, that's and an issue. I almost never see that on console, which is part of the reason why the game is optimized for that hardware. It knows what it's doing. It knows what it's going to be. But I know people are like, how could it be almost perfect when it has framer issues? PC's having a lot of problems where it will just hold there for several seconds in the middle of fighting a boss, which is terrible. But I'm, I'm sure they're working on it. But what I want to talk about, Miles, is 
there is quite the controversy that some journalists or some reviewers don't always finish a game before they review it. And you were not done. You had not rolled the credits, but you had mm-hmm. played 70 hours of Elden Ring and gave it a review score. Defend yourself, you heathen. Defend myself. <laughs> yes, I've seen people very passionate about this. And yes. I will say, you know, for context, 95, 99% of the games that I review, I typically do roll the credits. Um, I have played a lot of From Software games. And I think the kind of appeal of a From Software game for me is the the non-linear approach to the story and the way mm-hmm. that there isn't necessarily this defined beginning, middle, and end. Sure, there usually is a, a start and there are characters along the way and then there is one epic finale at the end of this game to kind of wrap everything together. Um, yeah, I, I talked about it. The, the game is absolutely massive, way bigger than I thought it would ever be. And it got to a point where I just wanted to see everything. I was playing this game for me at this point. And, you know, I understood that I was at the end boss. I could go to the end boss. I could roll credits. I could could start over if I wanted to. But I wanted to go do all of the side things. Do everything. Really take everything in. um, Because that's the way that I would play this game normally. And so that's how I approached the review. I talked about the world. I talked about the gameplay. I talked about what makes this experience so special. And yeah, when for some people, they, they want to say like, well, you should do the main path. You have to finish the main path. And then I would push back and say, what if you only did the main path? What if you did zero side quests whatsoever? Because I remember people getting mad at reviewers when Cyberpunk came out and said, you didn't do any side quests. You only did the main path. This is an open yeah. world game and you yeah. should be doing all of the side quests, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, everyone can pick and choose what reviews matter to them. I'll say that if, if you're looking for something specific from a review, that is absolutely fine. Um, but I'm not someone who's going to dictate how and what criteria someone has to meet to review something. Um, if, if me playing 71 hours of Elden ring is not enough for you to take my opinion about this game and this world seriously. Okay. I I'm sorry. You can, you can find somebody else. Um, but I was very confident, very thorough, very detailed about the things that I discussed. Yeah. And in my review, I was not talking about you know the story for spoiler reasons, obviously. But also, that wasn't what I necessarily loved about this game. And it's not what I've traditionally loved about From Software games in the past. Okay. Uh, I mean, that it it's so funny because game reviews are always an opinion of that person. And you have to watch the review or read the review and get where they were coming from, from the review. But Mike Rose, who is an indie developer who's worked with Xbox and game pass said that he probably finishes 10% of these games. I didn't know that before, but personally I wouldn't be mad at Mike. I think Mike's hilarious. Great guy. I yeah. would just not follow his review score as closely as I would someone like ACG or skill up who I've watched a lot of the reviews. And I always tell people, if you, Find yourself lining up with a reviewer. Keep an eye on their reviews. And yeah, exactly. Continue that way. Um, what was I going to ask? There's something else I was going to ask you about that. And uh, it's so funny how I can't remember. Um, so you gave it a five out of five, mm-hmm. which are you guys on Metacritic? We are. Yeah. Yep. We are on Metacritic. Awesome. Yep. Okay. So that translates into a 10 out of 10. Um, let's see if I can remember what I was getting at. But um I was I was kind of like talking to some people about your review and I'm like, well, 
he wasn't wrong. That's why I wanted to say, let's find out if you're wrong. Like Miles was right. The question was like, what happens if Miles got to the end boss? The end boss was dumb or cheap, and then the ending wasn't great. Then, like, is there some merit to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we want to start going down the technicality rabbit hole, like what if you played a game where you could technically beat the mainline story in four hours? Like what mm -hmm. if there was a side quest where you could go and just beat the game right away? What? And again, like, sure. Yeah, what if the at this point, the, the final boss could be just a floating turd with zero animations, um, <laughs> and I would still give this a five out of five. So again, if that's the case, sure. Yeah, maybe the ending isn't what everyone wants it to be, but... I <laughs> he's like I am turd man. Yeah, it, yeah. Those arguments, in my opinion, are oftentimes directed in bad faith. But yeah, um, yeah. again, if that matters to you, then that's fine. I'm not saying it doesn't have to matter to you. Um, I my personal stance is, um, don't police something. <laughs> don't police the way that people play and talk about video games. Yeah. So. Well, yes, yes. I I keep reminding people like these are like. This, you know, it's like people say Horizon Forbidden West is a nine easy. I'm like, yeah, it it is. I want to tell people that, right? Someone goes, you know, it's an 88 Metacritic. And they're like, it's a nine. It's a 90 easy. I'm like, you're right. It is. It got lots of 90s. And and if it's a 90 to you, it's a 90. And like, let me say something crazy. Like Crackdown 3, I gave it a 7.8. I love the campaign. I did, did not like the multiplayer at all. The campaign was worth every penny for me. I loved it. I was actually playing it last night with my kid and having a great time. Like, duh, the review is for you. The question I was going to ask, Miles, is talk to the audience here about the review embargo. Because this is one thing, like, somebody told me, like, why didn't Miles just play 30 more hours and roll the credits? Can you explain about uh, the review embargo? Like, when did the code come in? How many days did you have? How much time did you think you needed to produce a review after you're done playing. Yeah. People so, don't understand that. Yeah. So I've done a lot of reviews for windows central and usually the embargoes are tight. Um, stuff like tales of arise. I had five days, I think to turn that around Big game. I think that game. I loved, I loved, but I had to play, I had to finish the 55 ish hour campaign in that window and get the review written up for that. And you know, that, that was a game in my eyes that was about the story and about the experience. And, Mm -hmm. I, I needed to see the the climax of this ridiculous anime nonsense to justify, you know, my <laughs> my experience with that. Oh, like ten and, hours a day of playing in a five day period. Yeah, and even counting your time to produce a review. And then Elden Ring, similar. Wednesday got the code Wednesday, and then no, yeah, okay, yeah, got the code late Wednesday, and then the embargo lifted basically Wednesday. First thing Wednesday morning. So one full week. Okay. Yeah. Just, a, just about a week, just about a week there. Um, and yeah, so played about 71 hours of it. Um, and then it got to the point where I was realizing what the climax was kind of getting to the point of no return on this. And then, yeah, that's when I decided I've seen all, pretty much all of the, the areas of the game, all of the major bosses of this game. I haven't rolled the credits on it, but for me, I want to continue playing this and I want to have cool. something out for people who are interested in in getting an idea of what this game is ahead of the the launch on Friday. Yeah, and that's a that's the difficult part. Not a lot of people understand and I've done some reviews and I don't love doing them. Uh full disclosure because um you're under the gun. Like Miles was playing mm -hmm. this probably playing Elden Ring 8 to 10 hours every day 
trying to crank through the content. And when you love a game, that can be great. But a reviewer also has in their mind, like for me personally, Miles, I'm thinking I need six to eight hours to grab all these clips, write a script, record, get on camera, produce, edit, upload, build a thumbnail, all that crap, right? It's like, oh, woe is me, content creator. But it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, I, I literally I literally did not have time to do video for it. There was no world. And to the people that somehow did video for it, um, kudos. Because, yeah, like I was playing this at least 12 hours a day. Like, wow. like I said, got the code late. Late Wednesday had to have the review drafted in terms of like for the embargo the the after, Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, that that is the timeline of of Elden Ring. So I played a lot of Elden Ring in a very short period of time, um, and that's just kind of the, the process. So mm -hmm. it's you know worth having a conversation about the overall process. And if people have issues with that, it's not an ideal system for a lot of people. Um, either as video game development. Like because, someone someone said, like, why didn't Miles just you know wait a couple more days till he got through all the content and then built the review? It's like it's really important to get it's kind of a, so such a tough thing. There's no right answer, uh, because you want to be out there with the peers for review and everybody get their their thoughts out. And I gotta apologize about the the footage here. Um, I use StreamYard, which is a program that I use to run it's a it's a browser-based program to do the show. Uh, it makes it so I can run the show by myself, but it really squishes down the video footage. Um, so I've rendered it at 30 frames, and it, the game looks phenomenal, and it runs really great. Another controversy, Miles, is VRR on Xbox makes this game nearly just fluid uh, nearly the entire time, except for a few instances, but I've never had a halt or uh, never had a frame rate keep me from surviving a fight yeah and i've had a lot of people since all this say like oh and i guess we can have a general conversation about what the perfect quote-unquote score is and mm -hmm. my my stance on that is the, the 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 need to strive for perfection in a review score in a in a medium that is based in art whether it be music or movies or video games um it's impossible. There's never going to be anything that's considered perfect to anyone. And that's not what a five out of five or a 10 out of 10 means for most people. Because again, yeah, sure. The, the frame dips five to 10 frames per second yeah, on series yeah. X. In my experience, I was playing on series X with v VR, uh, VRR and that did not impact the, the frame drop never impacted my enjoyment of the game. And for me, it wasn't even worth mentioning in my review because it didn't matter when it rained. Sure. I, I did notice a little bit of kind of frame frame drops, but that yes, didn't, yeah, I did too. it did not hurt the overall score for me. It did not impact the overall experience for me. And this fixation with, well, this game isn't a locked 60, so it can't be a five out of five. I just, it just becomes this, this, this spiral of, of, you know, this need for perfection. And we associate perfection with grade school. And we are we are beyond grade school. We are past yeah, that. Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect game. Quit trying to dictate what people can give perfect quote unquote perfect scores to, because this is a medium that is grounded in in art. And I, I, and I really got to say, Miles, to to add to that to accompany what you're saying, like you have to remember. And since I know, since I've done some reviews, I, I learned for myself that a game can win you over in a certain way where it 
it get it the number falls into your mind um and if you if a game just wins you over and you can overlook some of the some of the flaws or some of the maybe some of the designs aren't as advanced it doesn't break any ground but the game is just so you love it so much you give it an 8.5 right like you can't let a reviewer like can't take that away from them and when miles says like five or 10 frames don't hamper the gameplay. The game is so good that it just still feels like this number. You got to respect that and think, do I feel the same way? Like there, and there is, was somebody in the chat. I think it was Michael else says like, I think the frame rate should really dive into the score. So maybe for somebody like Michael, it's, he's totally uh, vindicated to say, yeah. if miles gives it a nine or a 10, I would give it more an eight. And if you still want to buy the game based on all that information, you've done your job. And I really think it's fantastic. Really appreciate your review on the game. I got to grab a couple of supers and I think they're going to relate to what we're talking about, but uh, some will be a little older, but risk it for the biscuit. Thank you for the Australian five says, what are you guys in the chat? Most excited about E3 in the showcase. I'm super excited for fable and perfect dark Starfield will uh, too. loving the show. Thank you. Risk it for checking out the show. Love to see you in the chat. I don't think we're going to see perfect dark at E3 miles. Yay or nay. Uh, maybe game awards, maybe later on in the year, but, yeah, I, I don't I can know. see that. I don't I, think we'll see it at E3 yeah. gameplay wise, at least. And I and, and Fable, I don't think so either. Th- those are a couple of the big games I've had in my mind. Like, I don't think we're going to see this year. I think they'll wait till next year. But I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by a packed E3, regardless of a lot of big games and some medium sized games. Lord Star Killer, thank you for the ten dollars. Says Spartacus looks like an interesting model. Not too bad. Is it sustainable? It's not confirmed yet. He says, sure, it's like Game Pass. I also agree with Colt Miles. They should be hired by Microsoft to do an Xbox State of Play. Let's shoot our shot, Miles. Let's get it done. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. I can be the, the peppy voice, the, the Xbox answer to the Nintendo Direct. Today, just, we're going to dive into some first-person shooters you probably didn't expect. And then I'll be the angry guy. This game sucks, but you're going to like it. Uh, Moby, thank you so much for the five dollars. It's a great show. And Miles, everybody hit that like button. Yeah, if you do that, yeah. uh, YouTube says, Hey, these guys are feed that algorithm. All right, YouTube is just an algorithm monster that I don't just even know. sucks up your engagement. And <laughs> I don't even know what the algorithm is, but I'm afraid of it. Dark CMF with the ten dollars says, I was not 100% going to get or play Elder Ring. Mav was streaming, Mav's awesome, fun speculation. He says, Mav was streaming it live from New Zealand. <laughs> And I bought a copy to give away after watching him play for a few hours. I kept it. Laugh out loud. Love the game so far, which is crazy to see people won over by such a niche game. Yes. I remember when people were telling me that this is going to be a niche launch from software games or niche. And then I want the, I want those sales sales figures because I threw out some bold predictions because I was pretty confident in what the performance would be. And I think even my bold predictions might be uh, under underestimating what this sold opening weekend yeah and i gotta say um i was when i saw in 2019 when i saw the trailer and everyone went nuts i had no idea that it was a souls game i had no idea it was george r, r. martin i don't watch game of thrones it's totally out of like i listen to people talk about this like it was the second coming of sliced cinnamon bread like it was the second coming of a seattle dog with cream cheese and sriracha Ooh, and i was just yeah, like boy. <laughs> and uh i was like yeah yeah whatever uh, it has become a huge, huge community fire. Oh, man, I love it. Uh, let's see. We got Donataku. Oh, he got Hargi Chani. I'll get to Donataku in a second. With a $10. Hargi, you're amazing. Look at him showing his face. Look at 
he's so handsome. He says, Horizon Zero Dawn, t- well, Horizon Forbidden West, taken over by a 97 meta game, Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah, he's talking about Horizon Zero Dawn was taken over by Breath of the Wild in 2017. Horizon Forbidden West, taken over by another 97 meta game, Elden Ring. He says, Miles, what 97 meta game should we expect for Horizon Forbidden West 3? <laughs> I they, That team can't catch a break because they put out two amazing games that people love. Mm-hmm. And then this isn't shade on the developer or to start a fight with PlayStation fans. But yeah, yikes. To have to come out the week before Elden Ring and then just have the entire world say, okay, yeah, Elden Ring's it. People are already saying that Elden Ring confident will be the game of the year for 2022. So that is that's a bad place to be or an unfortunate place to be when your game just came out and and was reviewed well and your audience really, really loved it. Um, You know, what we forget is like this is just a testament how great games are right now. Like 2021 xbox had stellar games and so did playstation like and we fight the list wars but when you just take a step back and and uh you know cover up your blue or green shirt and think holy crap there's a lot of great games Uh uh-huh it's (laughs) february has been one of the most outrageously packed months in video game history there's just mm-hmm. been dying light 2, the cyberpunk update we had horizon we had elden ring there's just been so much i'm probably missing a few games too because i feel yeah, like and it's the, over tomorrow or March oh, witch queen tomorrow. destiny 2 witch queen oh, it's just yeah. been yeah, back to back to back I've to seen. back to back and oh yep. my god paul tassie and and destin the gary can't shut up about witch queen they're having so much fun uh it's we really should be happy. Everybody's uh, really enjoying it. Don Ataki with the $10. Thank you so much, Don. He says, Elden Ring is the first Souls game I've enjoyed, but I don't see it that special when most of the things people praise in the open world are things that Breath of the Wild did too. Also can't Shield Surf, <laughs> Shield Surf 8.5 out of 10. Um, I got I to gotta sit down and play Breath of the Wild. Uh, I will say that the shield surfing mechanic is like one of the top three video game mechanics of all time. Like Breath of the fun. Wild nailed the physics that is what makes breath of the wild so damn good and why people come back to it because you can yeah you can literally the first time i discovered that i could go on top of a hill jump and then like skate down the hill on my shield like a like yeah. a surfboard oh it just it just doesn't get old it's like the the grapple shot in halo infinite and and yeah. grabbing a canister and throwing it no matter how many times you do it it just feels good those things are so important and that just that just speaks to the whole when something just wins you over. Swindiferous with the $2 Super Chat says, you guys feel like it's the same at space as Skyrim. Uh, it's kind of like the same type of world in a way. Uh, yeah, it's Skyrim's easier. I would say Skyrim is more... As long as you don't go in the wrong approachable. Cave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, it scratches that same itch where it's about exploring the world. And for me, and I think a lot of Bethesda fans, why they love Bethesda games is because that world is so engaging and you you want to explore and every time you do explore you get that kind of dopamine hit and you get that 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 feedback that says yeah this is worth doing and elden ring falls into that as well tons of distinct areas and tons of places that you want to explore so yeah i mean get get lost in the world the best open world ever as everyone says the bed the and like again when i was writing my review you know you, you write you 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 write something like oh this is maybe the best open one of the best open world games of all time blah 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 and then and then you start seeing people playing it and start and i see people echoing 
like the discoveries that I made and the sentiments that I had as I was playing. And it's, it's really awesome to see people kind of have those moments where everything starts to click for them. Mm-hmm. And I guess real quick, just to circle back on, on the review thing. Um, a lot of people want to make it nefarious. A lot of people want to make it very sinister. They want to like portray certain people in the, the games media as, as, as biased. And there's this, this global conspiracy that is dictated to make sure that Elden Ring gets a great review score and all of this stuff. And I will just say that too often there's this emphasis on just completely eliminating any human element that's involved with making games, discussing games, um, playing games. And it's really unfortunate. You know, as someone who just a few years ago was just listening to gaming podcasts and, and like a lot of people in the chat, just engaging with the community. Um, I can tell you that I'm not in the games media for nefarious reasons or I'm not part of some gaming media conspiracy. And this fixation with making it us versus them, like there is no us versus them. Like I, I can't stand that. And there's so much energy fixated on well, that. I mean, there is, but, but yeah, it's very I mean, fabricated. It doesn't need to be anything like that. Like we are all here because we love games and that is why we're here talking about games. But it is it is tough when a game you love gets a six or an outlier six. Like so and so reviewed it and gave it a six, everyone else gave it eights and nines. It that you know, you can like be very nefarious and attack that person, right? Yeah. But um I'll tell you what, that guy Jerry. It was a six to him. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you can also look at like if Horizon Forbidden West got an 88, you can look at it and go, well, I mean, it got eights, nines, and tens across the board with a couple of smaller uh, scores. And that's it. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like you could take a review and get rid of all the tens, get rid of all the zeros, and everything would be fine. But, uh, you know, it's all right. But I'm glad you're speaking your mind on the review. Uh, Risk it for the biscuit kind of has your back. He says, with an Australian $2, he says, imagine 100%ing Elden Ring to review it six months later. So. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah pretty pretty yeah. much that's, and that's uh you vibe. know shout out to jat stat sab who sent the 1799 indian rupees uh thank you so much for supporting the show really appreciate that and um yeah elder ring's great i, I w- really wish everybody would give it a try it's a hefty price to ask someone to pay 60 dollars to try a game they're not yeah. sure if they're gonna yeah. stick with and um sometimes i wonder how long i'm gonna stick with it i've got about 15 plus hours in it miles and i just kind of walk around and say nope i'm not gonna fight that guy and i'll go fight some other enemies and then i'll finally get i really have to get courageous enough to go in i've never had that feeling in a game that's what makes it special um but yeah this is it's amazing but shout out to to the chat you know over 700 people that were here watching 635 now thank you so much everybody for supporting the show swindifferous says uh, is it better than Fallout, Cyberpunk, and Breath of the Wild? Um, I don't know. Like, I really like Cyberpunk. I love Fallout. I haven't really played a lot of Breath of the Wild, but um, there is something special about Elden Ring, and, and most everybody is fully in love with it. It's crazy. So uh, I talk to the RDX guys a lot, like Dealer and Zocker and Fonz. None of us were going to play this game, and we're <laughs> all arrested by it. It's so weird. And I I was sitting down with my son last night. I'm like, hey, check this out. And I said, this is, I went to, I fast traveled to the very beginning, the first hill you walk down. 
I said, this is the very beginning of the game. And he goes, dad, I wouldn't go over by that guy, the golden armored horse guy yeah, with the, with the, the sword. And mm-hmm. I go watch this and he goes, wham. And he hits the ground. And my son's like, dad, run. And I'm like, this guy <laughs> will kill me in like three or four swipes. Like this is how this game, like the, the enemies are so mean miles. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those games that it teaches you to run from the, from the jump. You see that one enemy and you just, you're like, Hey, should I fight this guy? And then you go up and poke it and you're like, "Uh Oh, and then it just one shot kills you. And you're like, okay, this game is telling me that I don't need to fight everything. Sometimes I should just get on my horse and just gallop away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. uh, It is something else. And I beat. So it's so weird guys. I was playing the game uh, today before the show and i went up and i'm like have i been up here and i ended up going toward the main first boss i had never been over there because i've been out and around and organically moving around the world doing what i could and into dungeons and i went up and a little cutscene trigger i'm like oh i haven't seen this before i haven't done i haven't had a cutscene start up because everything was always happening in real time so i went to margie the the first main boss and i died like 12 times in a row couldn't couldn't get anywhere past uh, a quarter of his health. No, not even close to getting a quarter of his health left. Got most of his health down. Failed over and over and over. And then that was last night. And then this morning I played, lost once, respawned, and then beat him. And um, I don't know how to say this because not a lot of games are this difficult, but I was like, yes, really loud <laughs> because it was a real accomplishment. And, and I knew what people meant, even though I'd beaten lots of tough enemies in the game, but beating that guy that beat me 12 plus times, when everyone says when you overcome that obstacle it is so rewarding and that like uh you don't often get the endorphin rush from video games when you play so many of them right miles yeah it's one of those games like and again i get that it's stressful i get that it's hard for certain people but yeah there were bosses in this game that i was i was getting my ass beat as someone who's played and beat every from software game is very familiar with the difficulty I was getting worked and I was like, oh my God. And then I would get a little bit closer every single time. And then that moment when you finally, you have a sliver of health left and you take down the boss, it's almost impossible not to stand up out of your chair and just, and celebrate the victory. You, this average schmuck took down this giant beast. All right. And there's no greater feeling in the world than just being an average person and taking down something that seems impossible my character looks like a regular dork from monty python and search for the holy grail so taking down a big boss it's like you know five times bigger than me feels like a big deal uh it's absolutely phenomenal uh so yeah get out there and get it get a chance at the game if you have a game share partner that bought it load the game up get your butt kicked get good your toes in like it's one of those games where i i can't guarantee that everyone will love it because i i fully understand why people don't um i had my wife try it the other night because she tried dark souls remastered and she played dark souls remastered for 30 minutes and she's like no big no hard no (laughs) and i'm like okay and then like i installed elden ring on the series s in the living room like hey like i want i want to get your perspective as someone who doesn't play from software games didn't really like dark souls and she played like the tutorial cave and she was like i'm good i'm done yeah, and so, sure. again, I do get that it's not for everyone because it is a very different RPG in a lot of ways. But if you do love open world RPGs of any any capacity, especially Witcher 3, I think if you are a diehard Witcher 3 fan who's been on the fence, this is definitely worth your time. Also, if you love Skyrim, 
Um, definitely worth your time. But um, just remember, the enemies are way harder to kill than than like you will encounter some really tough enemies in Witcher that you're not quite prepared for. And if you're patient, you can get them early. But uh, yeah, nothing is like this. Uh, the 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 creator of these games is a jerk. <laughs> a very Mi- nice. Miyazaki, he's bold <laughs> yeah. on his vision. He's bold on his he's vision. Held, held true, right? He, yeah. he has. And again, even with you know all the conversations, he came out recently and said, we're going to keep making difficult games for some time. So that's that's the vibe. And I get it. It's, it's maybe not for everyone, but mm-hmm. this is the most approachable from software game. But um, that's not going to win over everyone. We've gotten soft, Miles, because I played on the NES uh, when I was a young youngster. And like games like Ninja Gaiden... And uh, other games were like brutally difficult. There's classics like TMNT, the Turtles game, Ninja Gaiden, which are absolutely brutally difficult. And back when I was young, I would play those over and over and over and keep yep. keep the console on overnight because you couldn't save. And you persevered and you made it through. And I feel like as we've got into the 90s, through the 90s and 2000s, Games have allowed you to make your way through and, and roll the credits. You get to the final boss, and they're not as horrible as they used to be in most games, right? Um, I, I played games where I can dodge, I can juke, I can block, I can parry, and I'll make my way through, and I'll just outspeed the enemies. It's not happening in, in this game. But, uh, Miles, I'm so glad I had you on the show to talk about this game and talk about the review process and kind of give people an insight and so much stuff going on for Xbox and Hopefully they'll listen about, you know, getting another uh, event out there to talk about what's going on. But you've got a lot going on on your channel. And this is the moment where I want you to tell everybody what you have in the works, what you can talk about, what's coming to Windows Central Gaming. And you're doing podcasts. Do it, you know, sell those and tell people. Roll out the red carpet for me, Colt. No, uh, Colt, first and foremost, thanks for having me on, dude. Uh, Love just hanging out talking xbox talking video games um yeah if you want to get a hold of me you can follow me on twitter at miles dompierre um most of my work is over at windows central so i did a review for Elden ring recently i did our review of the steam deck if you want kind of detailed thoughts on that uh i wrote a lot of words about the steam deck um Coming up, Jez Corden and I, Jez Corden and I have rolled out a show called Checkpoint, which is basically like a, a weekly news show that breaks down Xbox stuff. We had an episode go up uh, last week before last, and our next episode is this week. So if you're curious for, or interested in more bite size, the goal here is 15 to 20 minutes. Jez wouldn't stop talking in episode one, so it ended up being like 30 minutes. But uh, <laughs> that's that? the goal, 15 to 20 minutes there of, of kind of the biggest news beats of the week. And yeah, that's about it. That's about it for me. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. We didn't talk about Steam and Game Pass and the Steam Deck. Maybe we'll have to save that for another time. But there's a lot of speculation on there and maybe a lot of smoke uh, that we'll have to get into later. Wolf Assassin with the $5 Super Chat says, Don't worry, people will be excited since FromSoft will announce their next game at E3. Sekiro came out in 2019 in January. Elden Ring announced at E3 2019. So Maybe they've got something else, but um, hmm, we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to maybe drop into these other games now that I've kind of found a, a new game genre I can play. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much, Miles. It's it's always so good having you on because we can just talk. I feel comfortable. Uh, we can just like roll through the news 
and the chat loves seeing you on so i really appreciate that thank you so much for checking out the show this will go on demand on spotify and anchor a place that puts it on seven different podcast platforms so if you didn't check it out or you're checking it out right now with your earbuds that's amazing and speaking of earbuds i got a whole new pc so well <laughs> i bought a new pc this year and then i got covid and while i was down and out and couldn't do the show and couldn't make a video i set up the new pc one of the uh, problems is i can't get my earbuds linkedin so i'm gonna have to check in with asa from game on daily to have him help me fix it <laughs> i do not like wearing big headphone cans on the show because look i have great ears these are amazing <laughs> show them ears <laughs> off boy yeah i mean i've got big gigantic ears and and i want you guys to see them and i want to be more comfortable on the show but miles you're amazing uh i will get your channel and your uh your handle for twitter in the description when i post it up there so people can follow you guys are amazing. If you uh, want anything else, let me know. But this has been a great show. We're going to get out of here. Have a good night. And, uh, you know, play some Elden Ring. Get good, you scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> right, Don't gatekeep, Colt. <laughs> Don't gatekeep. No, but have fun. Enjoy it. And uh, let me know what you're playing. We'll talk to you guys soon. We're out of here. All right, let me hear the yeah.